This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at woodhousebuickgmc.com. We are professional grade. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week... We're in love with a prince. Oh my goodness. Everyone's in love with a prince. <laughs> they sure are. It's chaos. It's slightly terrifying. Uh, and uh, I mean, you've got a treat in store, listeners, with because uh, we're going to dive right into the taglines and blurbs and what taglines and blurbs they are. Oh my goodness. Yes. Our cover tagline quite magnificently is, will Dana go from rock and roll to royalty? I mean, it's an amazing line, but as usual, the answer is no. Mm. And uh, uh, another rhetorical, sorry, is it even a question? Uh, (laughs) On the back, it's the the small back blurb is just, Princess Dana? (gasps) Can it be? It's like we're so used to seeing the name Princess Diana in these books, usually in relation to Lila's costumes. uh, That it's just like a typo (laughs) rather than anything else. They're just missing an eye. (laughs) So close. (laughs) Um, Can you share the full blurb? I surely can. Okay. When Elizabeth Wakefield announces that her longtime pen pal, Prince Arthur of Santa Dora, is coming to Sweet Valley for her visit, everyone's excited about meeting him. Except for Dana Larson, lead singer of Sweet Valley High's favourite band, the Droids. (laughs) Dana thinks the only place for royalty is in the history books. Until until she actually gets to know Prince Arthur and the sparks begin to fly. Soon Dana and the prince have fallen in love. (laughs) Then Arthur suddenly asks Dana to marry him. Spoiler alert. And yeah, uh, she is a spoiler. Oh, look at yeah. And she faces the most serious decision of her life. Dana knows she's too young to get married to anyone. Yeah, no yes. shit. <laughs> Much less the Prince of Santadora. But if she says no, she might lose him. 
forever. Oh, I mean, that is quite a good blurb, even though it is quite spoilery. It's but I pretty guess... spoilery because the proposal doesn't come until much later in the book. And it's kind of the whole mm. third act like is, is around that. But anyway, yes. yeah, look, it's, we've come to, to expect them to just like ruin the storyline. <laughs> <laughs> and in fairness, even when you know what happens, there's still much to enjoy. Oh, including it's the cover. <laughs> oh, um, this <laughs> is... I mean, it's oh look at I, I I'm like is this my favorite non twin cover like I think oh. it might be it's so good I, I mean it might be mine too oh, I'm trying to think now of a cover that could beat it that doesn't have the twins on it and I'm coming up short <laughs> let me just yeah. say um yeah so we we have got Prince Arthur himself um with Dana and the prince is in a full on like tuxedo. Uh, he's got like a, a royal sash. It's it's a gold sash. Now this doesn't sound like this, like they, they do they do specify his like royal uniform in this yes. quite a bit, and this doesn't sound like that. So maybe this is his like party <laughs> uniform. <laughs> I don't know, but it's a gold sash with some random fucking medals hanging off of oh. it. Um, I mean, what he did looks, he win those medals for? I don't. Tying his shoelaces, who knows? <laughs> um, they're more like scout badges, probably. <laughs> um, but I mean, look, he looks he looks like a nice boy, you know. He's mm. a very kind of nineties head on him. He's got some kind of like the, you know the haircut. It's a change from the curtains, so that's nice. Yeah, um, true, true. You know, it's slightly tousled. It's it is extremely early nineties, and yeah, he looks like a nice boy in the books. He's kind of basically described as being like fucking. Prince Eric or something from The Little Mermaid like he's the <laughs> most handsome man anyone's ever seen but it's like yeah this looks like a nice kid yeah, on the cover. but you know what forget about Arthur because oh. who cares <laughs> who indeed oh my goodness because it is Dana Larson's time to shine and <gasps> holy shit did she deliver uh, I, I, where to begin with the outfit I mean <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's very Dana, it's more something Dorothy could have worn to the Golden Girls, but she's putting yes. it off. Again, it's it's giving Florida, it's giving retiree, <laughs> but I don't care. I feel like she's making it work. It's like, it's this extremely, I'm going to say aggressive pattern. <laughs> that's got, it's kind of like magenta and yellow. There's a few flashes of green in there. I can't really tell from the, the cover art, the way it's in the circle, whether it's a dress or a jumpsuit or a Ooh. fucking matching shirt and pants. There's <gasps> truly no way of knowing. There is like a thin pink leather belt involved, there though, is which is belt, also yes. very exciting. I mean, the top is kind of like a like a like like an oversized shirt in that there's like an open collar and kind of mm. sleeves kind of just above her elbows. Um she looks fucking great. I mean, she does. We she have does. had Dana on a cover before. And again, this looks like a very different girl, the way they do that every so often. It's like enough time has passed and they just throw in a different cover model or something. Because yes. um, I feel like we had her, she looked a bit like Sally Field, I think it was. She did. Before. What oh, was, it, was it? Because it was driving me mad trying to or remember. was it Sandra Bullock? Hi, oh. I know we don't, no one likes a lot of Googling on a podcast, but I, <laughs> I feel we need to see it. Which, can you remember oh, which book it was? was? The one when her cousin moves the, to town, oh. her cousin Sally. Um, oh. Okay, hang on. I'm just going to have to look. Google Street. Just, just the sounds of typing. Yes. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Talk among yourselves. <laughs> oh, starting over. That's the one. Yes, but like that is a different girl entirely, isn't it? Oh, entirely. And yeah. I mean, she sort of, I guess she does look 
more 80s in this one which i guess is suitable yeah. she, she definitely has more oh, she is wearing sort of orange a brightly colored brightly patterned some orange silk extravaganza <laughs> so i guess some of the same okay. vibe so is there then okay that the, the costuming has followed through so we can't fault them on that but but yeah i do remember her looking like i think it was sandra bullock i had in my head for some reason um mm. but with like you know the dana haircut but anyway this is a different girl entirely uh she She's kind of giving a bit Kate McKinnon a little oh. bit. Uh, and I have an absolutely unwieldy crush on Kate McKinnon. So let's just say <laughs> I'm fancying Dana pretty hard right now <laughs> on this cover. <laughs> so yeah, careful Ken, because Dana might take over. Oh, <laughs> it's all wow. Oh, well, that'd be a sweet Valley book worth reading. <laughs> I think she looks like somebody else, though. And I okay. can't. It's, oh, it's going to drive me mad. Listeners, let us know who you yeah. think Dana looks like. I think we can all agree she looks sensational. It's such a good cover. Oh my God. I'm obsessed. Yeah. <sighs> well, <laughs> has to be said that the book is worthy of this cover. It is extremely entertaining. Oh and uh, it begins in the cafeteria where the girls of Sweet Valley are losing their damn minds. Everybody has gone insane. Like, yes, everybody, even girls who are normally a bit more with it, such as like Maria or yes. Enid or Terry, they've all gone insane. <laughs> oh, my God. So it's one more day until Arthur Castillo, crown prince of Santa Dora, the richest, handsomest boy in the world, um, is arriving. And they're all acting as if this is like... I mean, they all have to be prepared for it as if it's their own wedding days or something like they're literally Amy is saying, I have so much to do to get ready. I need a haircut and a manicure. It's like, you've got a fucking boyfriend for one. Like, we- <laughs> True. I think Barry's actually sitting there. Like, yes. In fact, most of the time, the boyfriends are just sat there kind of going, well, fuck this anyway. <laughs> it's a load of shite. <laughs> Well, uh, the boys are understandably not massively happy because all their girlfriends are raving about how much they can't wait to like impress this this prince. And Liz tries to calm them all down by saying that Arthur's an ordinary guy, but uh, Jessica's unconvinced and she's got proof that he isn't. Well, that's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> apparently he's on the cover of a tabloid newspaper that she just happens to have in her bag. Uh, oh, she does. And... Uh, yeah, her photographic evidence is quite wonderful because we literally just mentioned her and here we are again. Here he is in London a few weeks ago with Princess Diana. <laughs> He's truly an international jet setter, but also he clearly has a very odd life because Diana would have been like about 15 years older than him. So in fact, more like... 20 years older than him it's just I know they make it sound like he's out socializing with her but like yes that it, it doesn't really tee up with uh with I don't know, Diana reality. <laughs> yes <laughs> with reality or Diana herself <laughs> well we get a recap of his last visit and I think this is the either the first or one of very very few mm. times when what was clearly a, a, a Sweet Valley Twins book is is canon because they go into yeah. quite a lot of detail about his it's last visit. Very true. And it's the kind of recapping we get for books within the Sweet Valley High 
series. Yes. So this is definitely, I feel like this must be the first time, yeah, that they're doing the same yeah. thing, but for a twins book. Mm. And at this stage, I guess, yeah, the twins books were pretty well established. I think I looked up when it was Princess Elizabeth is the book they're referencing oh. here. And I think that came out in 89 and okay. we're in like 92 or 93 now with this mm. one. So it's, it's. Yeah, definitely uh, making a point of uh, <laughs> making it canon. And uh, yeah, it's just funny to reference a, a book kind of outside of the main series. Yeah. Definitely uh, feels a bit weird. Which I obviously hadn't read because I haven't, uh, haven't read the twins. Mm. And uh, we get it, we do get um, a lot of detail about this because apparently when he when he last visited, when they were in sixth grade, he, he was like a, a normal um he, he was sort of incognito and yes. Elizabeth treated him as a normal child and liked him for himself, not for his title as Crown Prince of Santa Dora, a tiny kingdom on the Mediterranean sea coast between southern France and northern Spain. I love it. <laughs> Get <Okay>. over it. <laughs> um, so uh yeah, uh he stayed there and he was uh, he was in Sweet Valley and he was pretending just to be an ordinary kid but then jessica hmm. found out and blabbed it to the world apparently. of course um, <laughs> of course indeed so uh yeah in his last letter to liz he announced that he was stopping in sweet valley for a few weeks as part of his world tour <laughs> prior to his 17th birthday and official investiture as crown prince it's just so random like why is he <laughs> invested as prince on his 17th birthday when he's still a child you know Santa Dora is a country with very long-standing traditions and rules that we just don't understand as outsiders Anna <laughs> that is a good point okay well, that's one thing we will learn they have a lot of traditions and oh, they're boy. all fucking insane <laughs> so uh yeah um apparently Jessica went back in the day Jessica pretended to be Liz to go as his date to a formal reception and that's how she found out who he was. Uh, the son of King Armand and Queen Stephanie. His surname is Castillo. <laughs> His father is called Armand. Mm-hmm. Did they, I mean, we have, I have a lot of questions about Santa Dora and its uh, makeup. Does it have its own language? Does it have a sort of a Luxembourgish sort of thing going on? <laughs> What's the story with Santa what Dora? What's happening with Santa Dora? Yeah, it's an absolute mishmash of nonsense it's great although yeah right before we started recording uh we figured they probably speak is it esperanto i keep forgetting yes. the name of it that made up fucking <laughs> smash them all together euro language that wasn't there a movie made in esperanto that like <gasps> william shatner was in or something or am i just making that up <laughs> i hope you're not i want to know more <laughs> i don't think i am i'm yeah no i'm i'm like 80 percent sure that's a real thing that happened <laughs> Well, let's imagine that that's what they speak in Santa Dora, listeners. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it makes just as much sense as the rest of the uh, the, the setup in this country. <laughs> so Jessica says that uh, on this trip, it won't take uh, Prince Arthur long to figure out that he and I are meant for each other. And Winston, thank God, remembers that Jessica actually has a boyfriend. So this is very odd. It's very, you know, it's very Jessica behaviour. And it's funny as well. I think it's starting to become clear why they put Sam in Bridgewater rather than in Sweet Valley, because there's no way she'd be able to get away with as much shit as she does (laughs) if he was also in Sweet Valley High. So the fact that he's just a little bit removed in Bridgewater means Mm. that she can quite openly uh, bang on about how much she wants to become a princess and bone this prince, I guess. Basically seduce this visitor. (laughs) Essentially, Uh, yeah. 
So she says that uh, Sam couldn't blame her if Prince Arthur just happened to be smitten by uh, her charms. But Lila thinks that uh, somebody else will catch the prince's eye. And it's her. Well, of course, yes. Uh, she reckons that the, the photos of him out hobnobbing with the, the royals means that he likes high society girls like yours truly. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Lila's convinced that she's going to sweep the prince off his feet. Uh, so they kind of bicker a little bit about who's who's getting the first shot at him or who's going to actually win him over. And uh, Jessica points out that her and Liz are actually meeting him on the plane uh, the following day. Mm. And then he's coming to their house for lunch. But Lila kind of amazingly is like, that doesn't mean anything. You're out of your league with out there. I was bored for a royal lifestyle. You wouldn't know what to do with a palace and jewels and servants. <laughs> and Jessica doesn't have a comeback for it because she knows she's right. I mean, it's true. <laughs> well, everyone's distracted by their from their uh, from their bickering by by the collection of photographs they have of Arthur. Uh, and what he wears a blue uniform. Now, like when royals wear those uniforms, it's because they've got their makey-uppy like army positions mm. what is his child soldier like what's his uniform they never say he's in charge of finding nice pebbles on the beach <laughs> but he's, he's got a sash covered in metals apparently <laughs> yeah and his deep brown eyes confront the camera with a regal intensity oh my goodness and then terry Ken's girlfriend, you wouldn't be so fickle, would you, Karen? Because she has, she says, if you <laughs> think you know, walking by. <laughs> <laughs> well, Terry says, if you think he go- looks good there, check him out here. And she's got a candid snapshot of the prince wearing swim trunks and standing on a Mediterranean beach, his dark curly hair windswept, <laughs> and his muscular body deeply tanned. Uh, yeah, all right, Terry. <laughs> just just carrying it around in your bag, I guess. <laughs> Why not? But also, Bruce Patman clearly has some competition here and I'm surprised he didn't make an appearance in this book. <laughs> I am very sorry he didn't because I would have mm. loved to see uh, the Prince of Sweet Valley going up against mm-hmm. the Prince of Santa Dora. <laughs> the Canning Prince versus the Santa Doran Prince. <laughs> Well, one girl at the table isn't swooning over Arthur, and it's Dana. That's right. Yes, she's um, extremely unimpressed by this whole thing and quite reasonably points out, <gasps> obviously, those medals on his chest are just for decoration. I bet everything about this guy is a big pose. And like, you can't blame her because those medals are bullshit. <laughs> I mean, he has not seen active service. <laughs> no, he has not. He is a child. Um, yeah, so she's uh, she's just not having it at all. And the lads are kind of... I suppose relieved that at least one girl hasn't lost her damn mind over this <laughs> random prince. Um, yeah, and Winston starts joking that he's going to start wearing a crown to school because it's the only way to get anybody's attention or in this <gasps> damn school. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. They have gone prince crazy and mm. not the, uh, the the musical monarch. Not the cool kind. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the girls don't care. The boys, as you say, support um, Dana, but the girls don't care. And Lila is uh, is is determined to to catches uh, his his fancy because she's organising an extravagant bash with live jazz and fancy <laughs> catered food. I, I mean, again, you know, jazz. It wouldn't be a Sweet Valley party if there wasn't jazz. I mean, come on. True. So uh, <laughs> Jessica is not happy about this because she knows that, you know, this will be a very fancy affair. And mm. Lila, we're told, was sure to be dressed in the latest, hottest European concoction. 
amazing. It sounds like a cocktail and I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I want to know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> European concoctions for all. Hooray. <laughs> so and this is rather sweet. And this is kind of, I mean, this is a, I do like the way they, they are still, they haven't, Re, you know, rewritten the recent past. Jessica is actually happy to see Lila back in sort of haughty form after the recent awfulness with John. Hmm. But uh, but we're told that being happy that Lila seemed to be taking a healthy interest in herself and in boys again didn't mean that Jessica intended to give an inch in the <laughs> duel for Prince Arthur and for social supremacy at Sweet Valley High. And she's going to fight fire with fire. Yeah, she's decided, uh, I guess, spur of the moment that she's also going to throw a party for Arthur. Uh, Liz is like, what you are? Because <laughs> clearly this is news to her. Um, but yeah, Jessica says that her party is going to be a week from tomorrow, which would put it uh, two weeks before Lila's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, Lila's in- insistent that uh, she could throw a party every night of the week and it wouldn't make any difference. Um, but then I think is it Ken chimes in that apparently the last time again we're getting more recaps from this Princess Elizabeth oh, book so many apparently yeah the last time Arthur was in town he didn't like people making a big fuss over him so Ken's kind of trying to point out like can you all just fucking calm down please <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but Jessica insists that uh, this party is going to be super chill it's going to be great uh, and it's going to be an all-American party so everybody wears red, white and blue she'll have American food and good old-fashioned American rock and roll music for dancing <laughs> Well, speaking of the music, she wants the droids to play and says it'll be good publicity, but Dana is not impressed at all, and rightly so. Yeah, she's absolutely not on for this. She says we don't need that kind of publicity. Uh, The concept of a royal family in this day and age is completely ridiculous. She says we're supposed to be above all that here in the USA. Uh, So she's just, yeah, (laughs) just saying absolutely not, basically. But uh, yeah, Jessica is undeterred and kind of pleads with her just to talk it over with the rest of the band in case they feel differently. So she's uh, she's really trying to, to swing it to get the droids to play. Though I do like that the, uh, well, I don't, when I say like, I am amused by the fact that Jessica's just baffled by the fact that not everybody is like a bootlicking royalist. (laughs) Jessica frowned as she tried to understand Dana's viewpoint. This is reminding me of the first time I met somebody who uh, who had never encountered the idea somebody might think private schools were a bad thing. So uh, it was wow. like, wow, <laughs> fucking yeah. hell. <laughs> so really, why not? And it was like, what? Where do I start? But, um, yes. So that is Jessica. She thinks maybe mm. it was natural for someone as offbeat and unconventional mm. as Dana to find a prince completely stuffy and old fashioned. Um. So. Uh, yeah, that she's, but she, as you say, she is determined she's going to convince her. And she tells Lila that she's not coming to Liz's welcome lunch for Arthur the next day. And Lila stomps off, but Jessica doesn't care. Because uh, she just, all she cares about is impressing the prince. And says, of course, thinks, of course Sam would be irked when Arthur fell madly in love with her. But he would just have to share her for a while. <laughs> what is the plan here, Jessica? <laughs> I mean, does he think? She does she think in fact she does think this clearly that she yeah. can have like an affair with Arthur mm-hmm. and that yeah. Sam is just gonna be waiting for her when she gets when he leaves. I guess. I mean it's kind of the Brandon Hunter thing all over again from Soapstar, really. 
I mean, it literally is. And that is yeah, mentioned. It is. I mean, and fair, because how could you not? Because <laughs> it happened like three books ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was not long ago, even for Sweet Valley. <laughs> well, that night at the Casa, Liz prepares for the party, the, ne- or the lunch party the next day. And Jessica's planning her outfit. And Sam rings and uh, she mentions the lunch tomorrow, but she claims she can't invite him because it's just Liz's friends. Even though Liz is literally saying, tell them to come. she's such a prick oh she's terrible yeah and then of course Liz can kind of hear her on the phone Mm. Uh, like obviously she ignores Liz's uh, uh, you know her telling her like to invite Sam I'd love for him to be there and Jess is like oh didn't hear that that's fine Um, but she also hears her kind of um, not committing to a date the following night with Sam as well she can kind of hear her going oh tomorrow night I'm not sure if I'm free you know you go ahead and make plans and I'll call you tomorrow afternoon so Liz is like, why are you blowing off Sam? And Jess is like, oh, no, I'm not actually blowing him off. I'm just, you know, not committing to anything in case oh. something comes up because you just never know. So she's basically just kind of stringing Sam along a little bit now, quite blatantly. Oh, my God. Just in case, uh, you know, just to, to give Arthur a chance to fall in love with her and I could, don't know, whisk yeah. her away to yeah. somewhere. <laughs> so Santadora to speak Esperanto. <laughs> in her ear. Win medals for doing nothing. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, she she hangs up and Je- Liz is like, were you just basically blowing Sam off? For, like, what are you doing? And Jessica uh, says, look, can Dana come to the party tomorrow? Uh, even though she's just told Sam not to come. <laughs> um, because she hopes that Arthur will impress Dana so much she'll agree to play Jessica's party. Mm-hmm. And Liz is um, like... Every, basically thinking everybody is losing their damn minds over Arthur, including Todd. We're told Todd seems to grow more jealous and out of sorts every day. <laughs> it's big Kel surprise, but um, as Arthur might or might not say, who knows? But like, <laughs> it's anyone's guess, honestly. <laughs> but um, I was so worried that this was going to turn into a Liz and Todd misunderstanding oh God, plot me line. Me too. I just, I couldn't take another one. <laughs> Not in the books because they just fucking string it out for so long. I was just like, no, I can't cope if this is what's going to happen. <laughs> Luckily, uh, yeah, it doesn't really go anywhere. Thank God. Mm, yeah. Um, so uh, Enid arrives and she and Liz plan the frankly revolting and deeply weird menu for this lunch. It's- it is a weird menu, isn't it? I was kind of, I had to read it twice because I was just it like, sorry, what the fuck is this? So like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like her plan for food for this like lunch party, I guess, for like welcoming yeah. this guy uh, is raw vegetables and dip. I mean, you got to have the dip. Of course. Cro- <laughs> croissants and seafood salad, a big bowl of fresh fruit and cookies for dessert. Does that sound okay? It sounds perfect, Enid replied. On <laughs> fucking planet that is the weirdest sounding lunch mother of god it's like here's a bunch of stuff that's about to go off so like get it into you lads in a box in the supermarket just take it all home (laughs) put a yellow sticker on it going out of date today get it while it's 90 cents eat the seafood bargain seafood salad what could possibly go wrong with croissants croissants like what is happening well, oh my god! Anyway, well, that's the, the European influence, I suppose. <laughs> it's what we eat all the time. <laughs> it's all croissants and seafood salad. I was in Paris just a few weeks ago. Ate nothing but croissants and seafood salad with oh. every meal. <laughs> <gasps> Did eat some good croissants. Now I have to say, but um, no doubt. <laughs> well, we're told it's a small group. Uh, it's going to be just Arthur, Liz, Todd, Enid, Hugh, Jessica, Ken, and Terry, Penny. 
and Dana. And uh, Liz waxes lyrical about what a nice guy Arthur is. And Edith says, because she's had a look at his letters, like, he fancies you. Like, he is here because he thinks something's going to happen. And Liz, of course, can't remember whether or not she mentioned she had a boyfriend. I mean, what sort of letters has she been writing? If she That was so funny, but also so fucking Liz, isn't it? It's just like, oh, I can't remember if I told him that I'm in like a very fucking long-standing relationship (laughs) with Todd that involved him moving to Vermont and back home and us rekindling our fucking sensational love for each other. Like, yeah, no, like, I can't remember if I mentioned that. Like, fuck off, Liz. (laughs) I mean, she continues this as it goes on, but anyway... So the next, we cut to the next day and Dana can't believe she let Jess talk her into coming to the airport with her. Neither can I. I, Truly, I don't know how that happened. Like, (laughs) it's one thing to get her to go to the lunch party, but to actually get her to come to the fucking airport to welcome this guy she has no interest in getting to know or meeting. I'm just like, Dana, how did they, did they trick you somehow? Is that what happened? (laughs) Well, Jess is dressed in quite an outfit, which I'm sure you will uh, save till the end. And when they arrive, I mean, this is just, it's just, I'm embarrassed for the dignitaries of Sweet Valley. (laughs) Fair, yeah. Um, so they're all there, including Mr. Santelli, the mayor, and mm-hmm. uh, the prince wear- arrives wearing his royal uniform. Now, this, I'm starting to think that the ghostwriter genuinely thought that, you know, royalty have a uniform, like, for their royal family and it's not that they have these like token positions in the army or navy or whatever yeah, or it's like it's like the things that they like when there's literally a royal wedding on and they wear that kind of stuff with the sashes and the medals yeah. and it's all and it is yeah vaguely militaristic or whatever but like it's not you don't wear it's like not their plane. royal uniform like it's basically because no, they all it's have ceremonial some, like yeah yeah and it's also because they all have those ceremonial things like they're the honorary general oh, of a you know it, yeah. a, like captain not captain that's too lowly but you know they're They've got like fancy positions mm, in various yeah. branches of the armed forces, even though most of them have never actually been, you know, served uh, mm. in a, on a, on a, in a military operation anywhere. Um, so I think this ghostwriter just thinks that like, oh, I guess they all got given a uniform. That's that's what they were. Although in fairness, actually, uh, they do mention a gold sash and that actually is what's on the cover. So <gasps> I, I stand corrected on that. <laughs> I think it was the, the royal, they got one of the deep blue fucking jacket or something and that's what mm. threw me. But Gold Sash actually is the one on the cover. So fine, I'll give him that one. <laughs> well, the Gold Sash accents, accented his trim, broad-shouldered physique. Um, I have to say, getting Rahelio vibes from him. Oh my goodness. Yes, now that you've said it, holy shit. <laughs> I mean, I know Rahelio is several decades old, too old. Yeah, maybe that's more than Prince Ar- Prince King Armand. Oh, yes, <laughs> like <true>. Rahelio. Because <laughs> we're told waves of jet black hair were swept back from his high forehead. His large, dark eyes seemed to jump out of his chiselled, olive-skinned face. Yeah, like none uh, of this sounds like the uh, quite pleasant-looking uh, white boy on the cover, let's face it. <laughs> no, not at all. So uh, Jessica loses her fucking mind. <laughs> 
Yeah, she uh, sighs that he looks even more handsome than his picture. She's put her hand on her heart and everything. And even Dana kind of realizes that, yeah, shit, he actually is really good looking. <laughs> well, even though Dana shakes Jessica off her arm and says, really, Jessica, get a grip. Um, <laughs> Jessica says, so please say you'll play at my party now, please. And Dana gives in. And when the prince approaches, he you know kisses the twins on their cheeks and mm-hmm. is gives Dana a respectful greeting. We're told that even though Dana would rather die than admit it, Jessica had been right. Dana's first close encounter with Arthur Castillo had taken her breath away. The crown prince of Santa Dora <laughs> just happened to be one of the most gorgeous boys she had ever laid eyes on. Wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I mean, if Dana. you say so. Sure. <laughs> well, we jump to the Casa del Wakefield. Um, as Arthur Rich also say, who knows? And uh, Liz is nervous because we're told that when Arthur greeted her, he gave her like a big hug. And when he kissed her on each cheek, she couldn't notice that the kisses lasted longer than the ones he gave Jessica. Like, what was he doing? Oh, God. Yeah. Like, oh, Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose it's just like, yes, he definitely fancies her is where we're going with this. But yeah, I think this is, yeah, it's just later in the day, isn't it? That this kind of lunch party is happening. Yeah. So they're all kind of waiting for him now to arrive. Mm. Um, so I think it's just Liz and Enid and Jess at the minute. And then, yeah, the doorbell rings and it's just kind of the rest of the crew. The kind gang, of, I think yes. it's like Todd, Ken, whoever. But yeah, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, they're all getting ready anyway and uh, getting stuff in place. Well, we're told that the somewhat sulky expression Todd had been wearing recently was more <laughs> pronounced than ever. He's turned it into TV, Todd. No, don't do it, Todd. <laughs> Stick with liking rainforests and dolphins. <laughs> Saving whales. <laughs> You're much more wholesome in the book. You, know, you are. <laughs> well, thank fuck we get all the stupid misunderstandings sorted out because Liz does take Todd aside and admits, yes, maybe he was right about Arthur having a crush Hmm. on her, but she's going to set him straight. She has no interest in him. And Todd, in fairness to him, he apologises wholeheartedly for being a jerk. And Hmm. he just felt insecure beside you know, this prince who is paying Elizabeth so much attention. So everything's good between them and it stays that way. So thank God for that. Thank fuck, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Arthur then turns up and uh, tells the twins that his top priority in Sweet Valley is to visit with you two. Um, But uh, he's not alone. No. So he's had to bring his bodyguards, Justino and Paolo. (laughs) Are they also Santadoran? Who knows? (laughs) Justino? That is, is, I don't think that's even a Spanish name. <sighs> anyway, um, they're, uh, we're bizarrely told um, that uh, Jessica says, your accent is almost gone. <laughs> what accent? <laughs> <laughs> also, it clearly fucking isn't. Like, no. Um, and, and that would be completely normal. Like... It would be very rare for a 16-year-old who just does these sort of random tours every so often to have, like, lost his Santadoran accent and presumably gained another one. I don't know what they mean by your accent is almost gone. Probably American because, you know, you see these things online when people are like, oh, you know, reblog if you have an accent. And it's like, love, everybody has an accent, okay? American <laughs> is not the default. Yes, literally every <laughs> single person on earth has an accent. <laughs> Um, well, uh, yeah, he says the benefit of so much travel. And when he's he's introduced to everybody and when he's told about the droids, he says, wow, for a moment, sounding very American. 
well, there you go. See, that's him not having an accent, apparently. <laughs> In one syllable. And then Liz does exactly what we were talking about earlier when she introduces oh Todd. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, she's introducing him to everybody. And then she like turns to Todd. And last but not least, this is my 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 special friend Todd and like <sighs> my notes here just say bitch just say boyfriend get it over with. <laughs> so like what are you doing <laughs> my notes just say oh FFS Liz <laughs> yeah come on for fuck's sake literally for fuck's sake oh yeah <laughs> so Liz uh, takes Arthur out and shows him the garden and uh, he's such a cheese ball um, because she says oh, we have beautiful flowers they're probably nothing compared to what grows in Santa Dora and Arthur says there are some things in the U.S. more beautiful than anything Santa Dora has to offer. Yeah. Uh, his eyes on her face, not on the flowers. And he takes her hand and he keeps saying, oh, you are more lovely in person than you have photographed. <laughs> I enjoy how much your accent is wandering around because I can only well, imagine that's what his is doing. Too. Exactly. <laughs> so she's like, oh shit. Uh, ha, ha, ha. Uh, but then she does tell him straightforwardly about Todd and she's sad for a moment. Uh, then he cheers up. By the way, spoiler alert, he was thinking of marrying her and he gets over it very quickly. Very fucking quickly. Oh God. But I'm also so glad this was resolved like bizarrely fast too because I just, <laughs> I wasn't going to be able to fucking cope with Liz fucking stringing this out again and being like, oh, <gasps> the time wasn't right and I couldn't tell him. And I was having another fucking four chapters of her <laughs> not telling him that she's going out with Todd and has been for quite some time. Mm. That's true. I suppose we should be grateful. Mm. So, uh, yeah, he just says, I, I expected you to have many admirers, Elizabeth. I'll confess, though, that I hoped there wouldn't be anyone special. And she's like, oh, I'm flattered. But uh, then he, he's, he's over it now. Uh, yeah. So he's moving on to his next <laughs> victim. <laughs> Is he oh, a vampire as well? <laughs> oh, well, he's kind of dressed like one. Well, things up. <laughs> we cut inside. Where Dana is eating a seafood salad, as my notes say, doubtless clams. Oof. And uh, she feels uncharacteristically awkward because uh, it's just, um, she sort of thinks this feels more like a, you know, press conference for Prince Arthur than a uh, than a normal party. And she's she eyes him while nibbling at a croissant. So she's gone straight from the seafood salad. It's just, what sort of lunch is this? Dana, what are you doing? Like, I know this is probably all she has to work with because the menu's fucking bananas. But like, <laughs> you know, this, you, you don't have to eat the seafood salad followed by the croissant. <laughs> but she does. Who knows why? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, as you say, she's a bit kind of uncomfortable. Mm. It seems like everybody else is actually having a great time. Like everyone's quite <laughs> relaxed and chatty. It's just that she's so kind of weirded out, I suppose, by mm. the idea of uh, royalty. But she does point out that, um, you know, Arthur, he asks a lot of questions of everybody. Body. It's not like him just talking about himself the whole time. Um, so apparently he is a bit flirty with the girls, but he also talks to the guys. So yes. like, you know, he's getting along with everybody. Um, there is a bit where he's like, so <laughs> kind of kind of looks around at the lads at the table. He's like, so you fellows are all, what's the word? He looked to Elizabeth for help. Jocks? <laughs> oh, oh, God. And they're like, oh, I guess we are. Um and uh, so they talk about sports and he asks about basketball. He says, we don't play it much in Santa Dora, but I've watched many American games on satellite TV. While in the US, I'd very much like to. He paused, searching for the idioms, to shoot some oops. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we played basketball in my secondary school in the 
late 90s. So I don't know why he's acting like you've never seen a fucking basketball net before. Oh, God. It's really, yeah, like it's pretty standard for literally any school across Europe <laughs> to have at least one or two games of basketball on the go. It is not yeah. that far in a concept. No. Well, Dane is amused by everybody's, you know, fawning all over him. But mm. she, she does admit to him herself that the prince does seem like a genuinely nice guy. And he interrupts her reverie. They literally do call it a reverie. Um, <laughs> To ask what sort, you know, ask about about the droids, what sort of you know music they play. He says we love American rock and roll in Europe. I mean, we don't, we don't have rock and roll in Europe. (laughs) Also, this is like 1992, so this is like the height of like Two Unlimited and stuff being in the charts. (laughs) (laughs) Ebenezer Good for the show. Yes, let's get some scooter on the go for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's a nice movie, important, but it's more important to be nice. To be nice. <laughs> well, well, no, he's into American rock and roll. And uh, they say, oh, sorry, Dana says, we play standard rock. You do not, Dana. Like, no. I mean, she does say that they, they play mostly original stuff. So I suppose that's possibly slightly harder to describe. But yeah, standard rock. It's kind of, yeah, she's a little, um, she's kind of shrugging as she says it. And I think she does kind of worry afterwards that she sounded a bit rude, maybe. Mm, but I think it's just true. that she was sort of caught off guard or just kind of, as you say, she was she was brought out of her reverie. So she just yes. kind of wasn't, uh, didn't have her head in the game. But um, yeah, so she's not sure how she's come across to him and, and also wondering why she even cares. Hmm. Why indeed, Dana? So we got to, I don't know, it's Monday and Arthur is overwhelmed by autograph hunters in Sweet Valley High because he's going to class with why, them for some reason. Why is he attending school for literally like three days? This is fucking ridiculous. I don't understand. Like, yeah, my notes are just like, this is weird and also a huge disruption. But then again, it is Sweet Valley High after all. So curriculums tend to be abandoned at a moment's notice for a game of softball. So why not have a fucking security nightmare that is like European royalty attending your school for no good reason <laughs> and actually sorry i got it wrong there it's wednesday already his third day at school why, why is he in school <laughs> and Lila's giving out that so far she hasn't had a minute alone with them and says this is starting to get ridiculous i mean it's not the only thing that's ridiculous but um mm-hmm. Uh, Jessica's also annoyed because she had figured that once Arthur found out about Liz having a boyfriend, he turned to her. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't have time for either girl and he's constantly swarmed by fans. Um, and uh, Lila tries to tell herself that he's not worth bothering about, but she can't pretend that she's not genuinely interested. And actually, she has a real reason for it, which is quite touching. Oh, yeah, uh, wait now. Where she is says it? Yeah. that he's outrageously handsome, elegant, rich beyond mm. belief, and royal. He's worlds apart from the Sweet Valley High boys, and that's almost what appealed to Lila most about him. She liked the thought of making a fresh start with a boy who knew nothing about that painful incident with John Pfeiffer. Yeah, like that's yeah. I suppose because on the on, sur- on the surface level, it does seem like oh, you know, classic Lila trying to chase after a prince, but it really is her just trying to escape. Yeah, the horrible stuff that happened recently. So you, yeah. you can totally understand why she's 
why she goes to certain lengths that she does later in the book. Yeah. But yeah, they are kind of establishing kind of early on that like this is playing on her mind. This guy is the mm. probably only person in the town who doesn't know about what happened. So she's yeah. just like, yes, fresh start, a guy with fresh eyes. Let's uh, let's fucking go. Take me to Santa Dora, baby. <laughs> well, she says aloud, Princess Lila. <laughs> Um, but Jessica mocks her and says Princess Jessica sounds much better Jessica Castillo now that has a ring to it and then Lila snorts and says whoever heard of a blonde Mediterranean princess I mean if only there was another example of a blonde glamorous American I was going to say surely your notes also say Grace Kelly bitch (laughs) (laughs) they say in enormous letters (laughs) princess fucking Grace Right. <laughs> so uh, Lila says, I look the part and you don't. Uh, but Jessica says, looking at it is one thing, landing it is another. So they decide that, uh, or Jess, or sorry, Lila rather decides that maybe they should go through the bodyguards. Apparently, Justino is at least 40, but Paolo, we're told, is 20 at most. And, and I quote, with that, with that curly, dark curly hair with those big biceps, he was definitely a hunk. Fantastic. <laughs> but yes, you know that Lila's really on a mission here if she's willing to go through the hired help oh. to, to get her man. So it's, you know, it's, it's an unusual move from her, but she will do what it takes. <laughs> well, meanwhile, Dana's feeling sick and Guy Chesney thinks he knows why. And I think you know why too, Karen. I feel sick too. <laughs> yeah, there's a gross soup, I guess, going on in the cafeteria. And Guy asks what those things are floating around in there. And Lynn Henry pipes up, clams? <laughs> because of course she does. Because I can never escape the fucking clams. And at this point, in all caps, I just wrote down, Jesus fucking Christ, must we? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dan Scott, the bass player, thinks it's chicken. So, which says something about the weirdness of this soup. So, um, I'm worried about this cafeteria soup. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's a food poisoning waiting to happen. Yeah. But um, Dana isn't talking about this disgusting concoction. She's uh, she's talking about how all the girls are fussing over this uh, stupid prince. And um, as Dana says, you're supposed to admire a person because of who he is inside. It's not like he did anything to earn that title. He just got lucky at birth. So why should he expect us to kiss his feet? Right on, Dana. Yeah, you tell him. So uh, she's going to go outside for the rest of lunch period and invites Lynn to come with her and work on the lyrics for a song they're doing. Um, So they start to head out. But Lynn has something she wants to do first. Oh my God. Yeah, so to Dana's absolute disgust, uh, Lynn asks her if she wouldn't mind introducing her to Prince Arthur. And like after Dana's just been giving out about him like all lunch break, she's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, you must be joking. But Lynn is like, please, I just really want to meet him. Um, so she's like, all right, fine. Uh, kind of drags her over to where um, to where Arthur is sitting. And she just introduces Lynn and Guy, uh, explains that they're in the droids as well. And oh yeah, that Lynn is the songwriter. And then Lynn... Hands Prince Arthur a song that she wrote for him. And the guy who is Lynn's boyfriend is standing there looking equally as surprised as Dana. Because oh Dana's just like, she wrote a song for him? Apparently it's called Rule My Heart. Well, of course it is. And also, like, who has the 
lyrics to a song as if it's like oh, here's a look. song I wrote for you here's like a weird poem that's what here's that looks a like weird poem that probably doesn't rhyme and there's no music to it so yeah good luck <laughs> well Dana stomps off and tells Lynn she's not going to sing this stupid song because uh, oh sorry Lynn had told Arthur they're going to play it for her for yes. her Jessica's party yeah. and Lynn is like okay I'll sing it but Dana's like I used to respect you and <laughs> so cutting that <laughs> that's the meanest thing anyone has said to anybody in a while in Sweet Valley I would say I mean it's understandable <laughs> and speaking of things that are understandable after lunch we learned that Arthur has a fave teacher and it's Mr Collins hey it had to be there's only one cool teacher in this whole damn school <laughs> he says Mr Collins is very cool and Elizabeth's oh, yes. like he is <laughs> so in they go into the classroom and all the girls are like booting each other in the face to get sit next to Arthur. Like they've actually got a scrum going on oh, at the like, front. Jessica literally trips Maria Santelli <laughs> to get to sit. Like she is showgirlsing her way through this classroom, <laughs> scattering beads on the floor, elbowing bitches out of the way because this is her man and it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Well, all the boys are stuck in the back of the classroom, glowering up the front. Uh, I mean, understandably, because these are, in some cases, their actual girlfriends who are just ignoring them. (laughs) So Mr. Collins comes in, and of course, he doesn't sit behind the desk like a square. No, no, never. (laughs) He sits at the edge of the desk, and he holds a paperback book and just says, Hamlet, one of Shakespeare's greatest tragedies. Tell me what you think of it. <laughs> Jessica has a reason for liking it. Ugh. Oh, Jessica. No yeah, dignity. None what? Like, shameless. She just puts up her hand and says, I like the fact that Hamlet was a prince. <laughs> and Mr. Collins is like, okay, so <laughs> how does that make the story interesting? And Lila continues in this vein and is like, because stories about royal families are always the most interesting. And like some of the lads in the back are kind of like snickering at this because it's just like, it's just... The fawning continues just under the guise of a class. But like, yeah, yeah Mr. Collins isn't going to get much out of these kids. <laughs> and he does somehow keep like, I don't know how he manages to uh, to to hold himself back through this because uh, I'd be like, oh, I, I think I would lose it after the first ridiculous royalist <laughs> inanity came out of one of these children. But he says, let's dig a little deeper here. What's going on with this particular royal family? What are the family dynamics that drive the plot? And Winston says, the guy's uncle killed his dad so he could marry his mom and become king. Understandably, Hamlet's bummed. <laughs> um, so Ken, the poor fool, doesn't get why Ophelia goes mad. And that gives Dana a chance to speak. Yeah, so Dana pipes up uh, and says that uh, Ophelia didn't have a choice, that her and her family were totally exploited by the royalty. She says Hamlet just used her. And Mr. Collins is like, okay, that's an interesting take on it. Like, do you want to take it any further? And she's like, it's always that way with royalty. So like, she's kind of throwing digs now at this stage pretty clearly uh, because she's saying then, you know, it was worse back then because royalty was more common. But it's the same thing today. Royal families use, abuse and sponge off the people who actually work for a living. And like, there are startled gasps and everything because it's so clear that this is all just her throwing digs now at Arthur as he's sitting in front of her. I'd say my notes do say yes, yes, yes after she says this. Like, I mean, what do you think? is she wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Collins folds his arm across his chest and said, okay, Dana, let's be up front. If you have a question for Arthur, why not ask him directly? And I fucking love this. Dana turns around to Arthur and says, okay, who's paying for this world tour of yours anyway? Mm, yes, I think at this stage it is wrote down, marry me, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, I mean, that's a completely valid question. Absolutely. And Arthur's answer is just fucking stupid. Oh, I know. And I suppose, yeah, it's kind of like, I think Liz is watching this and expects him to kind of, you know, be a bit defensive and, and bristle at the insult. But uh, apparently he's quite chill when he answers and says, look, I know how it probably looks. The people of Santa Dora do support my family. It's like, oh, you asked them all individually, did you? Uh, but we work hard too. Travelling around the world, promoting my country's interests may sound glamorous, but it's actually pretty demanding. And Liz is like really impressed by this, but like Dana, Dana didn't buy it. And she's like, yes, get him, Dana. And she's like, yeah, it looks rough posing for photo sessions and riding around in a limo all day. Well, Mr. Collins calls for peace and says, now, if this were a Shakespearean play, Dana and Arthur could resolve their differences with a duel. But uh, how about a debate? Are you up for it? So they both agree they are. And uh, Mr. Collins gives them until Friday. Because really, like, Arthur's going to school all week. Why? Why is he in school? Are his bodyguards having to follow him into classes? Like, surely this is a fucking huge disruption for both the school and, like, in terms of his security detail. But, like, oh, my God, none of this makes sense. Well, Mr. Collins says he'll give them until Friday to compose their arguments on the topic of whether monarchy has any value in the late 20th century. And remember, no poisoned rapiers. Ha ha ha. Well, the kids are all buzzing when the class ends. And basically, boys are team Dana, girls are team Arthur. And Liz thinks if anyone can knock Dana, or sorry, knock Arthur off his <laughs> pedestal, it's Dana Larson. Yeah. So we cut to the droids band practice. And we're told... Uh, Jessica is, uh, or sorry, Dana is looking forward to the Saturday night party because she thinks she's going to have, by that stage, she'll have shown Prince Arthur up as a fraud he is and she won't be so high and mighty now. Mm. <laughs> um, so uh, she they, they call it a day for the band practice. And uh, so one of the others points out that they didn't play Rule My Heart. Dana says if Lynn wants to serenade Prince Charming, she can stand under his window. <laughs> yeah, she's refusing to have anything to do with this song. But um, yeah, apparently Emily insisted it's actually quite a good song. It's mellow and a ballad and it would be really nice with Dana's voice. Mm. Uh, so Dana kind of starts cracking jokes. So yeah, maybe I will sing for him so after I console him because I'm going to make bits of him in the debate tomorrow, basically, is, is what she's saying. But um, but the guys, uh, they're all kind of, yeah, they're all kind of chatting then about this upcoming debate. And Max thinks it's cool that she like expressed her viewpoint when it goes against the crowd. Um. Emily's like, aren't you a bit worried though? Because he had a pretty good comeback and is obviously kind of used to, to potentially these arguments. Mm. But Dana is, uh, she's like, nope, I've got, I've got everything on my side. Uh, Max reckons she's taken it kind of seriously and kind of starts prodding her. Then he's like, you know, maybe you're secretly in love with this guy. You know what they say about love and hate being two sides of the same coin. And <laughs> Dana amazingly is like, I am not secretly in love with him, and I don't hate him either. It's nothing personal. I simply despise everything he stands for. That's all. <laughs> Which I loved. I like this too. <laughs> but as they all head off to Guido's, Dana wonders, you know, why does she care so much about beating him? Mm. And uh, But of course, she knows Max is way off base with yes. his theory. <laughs> so on Friday, Dana admits to Liz uh, that she is nervous about the, the debate. She feels as if like the way she does when she's about to go on stage with the droids. And mm. uh, they go into the classroom and it's it's all quite formal. Like Mr. Collins has a sort of, has a, team of judges lined up. I mean, I guess it was meant to be English class, but now we're doing fucking debate club instead <laughs> because again, who fucking needs a curriculum, lads? It's grand. Oh, Hamlet no. probably won't come up in your end of year exams anyway. What Don't end of year exams? It. Well, also a good point. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, it's Ms. Dalton, Mr. Marks, whoever he is, and Mr. Collins are going to be judging. And mm-hmm. uh, Dana flips the coin to go first. And even though Mr. Collins had set up a podium, uh, instead of standing behind it, Dana walks to the front of the room and perches casually at the end of it, his desk. She's a renegade. <laughs> so she gives an actually really... I mean, she kind of romanticizes uh, mm. the foundation of America and America yes. as a uh, truly democratic country. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, she's completely right about the like pointless uh, parasitism of <laughs> monarchies. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, she's not wrong. Um, yeah, and makes some some good points. And yeah, everybody's kind of enraptured by her arguments. Um, but yeah, she kind of points out how ridiculous it would be. Like, imagine if we had a royal family in the in the United States, and then instead of electing a president every four years, there was some random family from generation to generation that had the power to tell us all what to do, and who sucked millions of dollars a year out of our national treasury while they were at it. So yeah, she kind of goes in hard then on the Castillos in general, yeah. and uh, yeah, she she really goes to town on it. It seems like, and even and the judges. Right. Right. look impressed and the, everything she says is completely right yes it's like why should such a small country have to bear a burden like that when the money could be put to better use kind of pointing out that like the Castillos obviously have this really glitzy lifestyle and yachts and palaces and cars and yes all of this is completely accurate Dana so honestly fair play to you <laughs> so uh, yeah momentum carries her along and all the judges look impressed and even some of Prince Arthur's faithful fans look uh, <laughs> having second thoughts <laughs> so um <sighs> Arthur has his comeback and in fact his manner is quite pleasant like he's and if, you know he is kind of a nice guy um he is yeah because he doesn't get all sort of snotty about it but he keeps saying things like it seems foreign and old-fashioned to a lot of people and like you Americans but but Santadora and the United States are very different countries they're different culturally economically geographically and historically Santadora is tiny not much bigger than many mar- large American cities we have a homogenous population of very limited natural resources and industries for these reasons it would make sense that a different social and political system from yours would work in our country it did make sense, we're told. Dana stops herself from nodding in agreement. And I'm sorry, as someone who comes from a, po- con- a small country that's in the early 90s and a very homogenous population, very limited natural resources and industry, we mm-hmm. did not want a fucking king. No, thank you. That was a whole thing, you guys. <laughs> very much did not want. <laughs> I will say, though, that there is something to be said for like pointing out that, you know, the, the whole idea of American exceptionalism as well and that like there are True. other countries that True. do things differently and you're again you're not the default yes. way of being uh, but again like yeah Dana absolutely hasn't banked her rights on everything else mm. yes oh god I've seen some doozies with that recently uh, <laughs> but, um, so uh, yes he uh he claims that the United Fe- United States was founded by people who left other places in order to find new opportunities and begin new lives. Quite a lot of people did not have a choice about mm-hmm. leaving other places. But um, <laughs> basically he's saying in the United States there's been an emphasis of newness, whereas Santa Doran's with the same tradition for centuries. Would you like to keep up with the latest trends, however? And uh, he shows his American athletic shoes. Who paid for those shoes, aren't exactly. they? <laughs> workers of Santa Dora. <laughs> that's who you bastard <laughs> with your fancy runners <laughs> viva la revolucion <laughs> or viva la revolucion <laughs> so uh, yeah more than anything they value their traditions perhaps the most important one of all is the royal family I mean I, I don't I don't want to judge but if that's your best tradition 
I don't know, Santadora. Mm, Got some work to do. (laughs) True. Um, So, yeah, apparently the family work for that support that comes from the family. They work on projects that develop education, the arts and other philanthropic causes. A functioning welfare state is what you need to work for. Arthur (laughs) Castellone, you can pay for that by selling off a few of your castles. There you go. You'd be more in your line now sorting out that kind of shit. Yes. So, uh, apparently, uh, against his... This absolute nonsense is enough that against her will, Dana found her convictions wavering. Suddenly her own position seems somewhat shallow. No, Dana, his his is the shallow argument. It's like, yeah, but it's really nice that we have palaces, basically. (laughs) Yeah, and I get to the one. Um, So he says, in Rome, we give a lot more than we take. Do you? And the Sad people share my view. They possess the power to abolish the monarchy. I mean, do they? When did you they? <laughs> yeah, I would question that for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, he says uh, we debated the question on whether monarchy is based in the late 20th century, and I assert that it depends on the unique circumstances in the country. In Santadora, it always had a place and it always will. Thank you. And he fucking wins! Well, oh, that was some fucking bullshit now, in fairness. Yeah, apparently the judges are like, yeah, we, it's hard to pick a winner, uh, you know, because it's more a matter of opinion than a question of right versus wrong. Uh, and they kind of say that because, uh, yeah, they say Dana presented a persuasive argument, but because Arthur answered every one of her points and then some, the judges declare him the winner. And it's like, so because he went second, yes. he wins, basically. That's yes. some fucking bullshit there too, lads. You don't want to cop onto yourself now, in fairness. I mean, what sort of debating competition is this? I mean, I guess a very (laughs) random impromptu one, but like, (laughs) uh, what? That literally, as you say, means whoever goes second wins because they get to answer (laughs) the points at the end. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, uh, Dana feels quite overwhelmed. Um, Said she still had faith in her own opinion, but she was ready to admit that Arthur's case had been superior. My notes just say in all caps, Mm -hmm. it wasn't. No. (laughs) She wonders, why do I feel like a bad Burst into tears. No, Dana. Then Arthur turns to face her. And at that moment, Dana realises something very disturbing. It wasn't the debate that had turned her topsy-turvy, we're told. It was her opponent. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he comes over over to like shake her hand, you know, to to have a friendly end to things uh, and kind of says, Dana, I'd like to. And I guess, you know, congratulate her on a good debate, whatever. But the bell rings. Dana kind of stares at his hand and realises she couldn't touch him if she did. Dot, dot, dot. Grabbing her books, she bolted from the classroom. So like, she's obviously very caught up in her feelings at the moment. Doesn't know what the fuck is going on, and basically just absolutely legs it out of the classroom, away from everybody. Oh. Before she has to uh, face anything. So yes, it's all getting very dramatic quite quickly. It really is. Well, Jessica and Lila, conf- uh, you know, Arthur just standing there, but they start squeezing his arms quite creepily, and uh, <laughs> da- Jessica says the data. You know, she did an okay job, even though her position was wrong, and says. Imagine thinking royalty doesn't make sense in the 20th century. She laughed loudly in order to show how absurd she thought it was. <laughs> you can just picture her though, yes. like throwing her head back with a big fake laugh. It's hilarious. But also I do want to point out that they, they do say that Lila at one point, yeah, she uh, she pushes Amy out of the way in order to take control of Arthur's other arm. And I just love the thought of Lila fully just bodying Amy's son out of the way, sending her sprawling so she can grab his arm. It's just it's so funny how 
physical the girls are in just like just, lamping each other to get next room. It's just hilarious. imagine them dancing a frog marching Arthur out of the room, like one on each side. His legs just kicking in the air because they're just carrying them out. Well, Arthur seems doesn't seem to be paying them any attention. So Jessica tries to set, we're told she sensed she was losing her. So she goes into a, a new flight of fancy. Oh, God. Yeah. She starts uh, babbling about how they should have a royal family in the United States. She's like, we could hold some kind of nationwide contest to find the perfect family. And then that family could live in a castle, sort of like the White House. Like Jessica knew she was babbling like a complete idiot, but it didn't seem to matter. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, apparently Arthur is transfixed by something down the hall. And it's Dana. (gasps) And uh, Jessica reassures him that Dana isn't like most American girls. Like she doesn't want him to think that Dana's anything like her. Mm. But... uh, for the first time, Arthur seemed to look at her and says, no, he said thoughtfully, she doesn't seem to be. <gasps> so Jessica says her party will be all American. And he's like, uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be great. And hurries away. And because Jessica has the sensitivity of a wooden spoon, she just thinks, oh, great. She can't wait to come to my party. <laughs> that was very obvious what he's interested in. It was very clear there and he wasn't really listening to a word she said. But yeah, as far as she's concerned, this is basically a done deal. He's coming to the party. He can't fucking wait. Everything's going to be great. And uh, she hopes hopefully hordes of reporters will crash the party and snap loads of photos of her dancing under the stars in Prince Arthur's arms. And she thinks the hard part would be keeping Sam from sticking his face in all the pictures. (laughs) And then she thinks she'll make it up to him when Arthur leaves by covering him with kisses. And that'll be fun too. Sam, like... Why do you put up with her? Um, oh, get out while you still can. Truly. Oh, well, look at mm. There you go. Mm. Yeah. I think this isn't even the first time she's pulled something like this. And poor Sam just sticks around. He's just, he's way too good for her. Really, really is. So that night, Arthur goes to the Dairy Burger with Liz and Todd and uh, says, chocolate milkshakes. These I remember very well from my visit five years ago. They had chocolate fucking milkshakes. Have milkshakes. Europe has your- milkshakes. Mother of God. <laughs> it's like we're all just living behind the Iron Curtain here in Europe. <laughs> fucking hell, lads. Oh, my God. The idea that like a prince... In a, in a Mediterranean country has never had a milkshake. <laughs> I was like, oh, I remember this from my last visit to a sophisticated American country. Ooh, hamburger, you say. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, she uh, apparently... Also, this is insane. Liz had rung him at the hotel to invite him out and he welcomed the distraction because I have a pile of papers relating to my families and American business affairs to read through. He's 16. You are a child. What are you talking about? They have given you some colouring in to do. Don't lie about it. Well, he has a confession to make and Liz is stunned by the news. Yeah, he says that there's a girl in Sweet Valley that whom I find myself very interested in. Uh, and Liz is delighted to hear this. Of course, takes the pressure off her. Uh, and of course, he replies that it's Dana, <gasps> Dana Larson. And Liz and Todd like burst out in unison, Dana. Um, so he's like, yes, it seems odd to you, doesn't it? Like they really give him this kind of stilted dialogue. <laughs> yes. And yet we're supposed to believe that he doesn't have an accent. Oh. Um, but yes, he's impressed by uh, by her fiery spirit and her... <gasps> 
independence and her beautiful voice and beautiful mm-hmm. eyes uh, and his expression grows dreamy and he kind of just trails off as mm-hmm. he's talking uh, but then says that he tried to talk to her after the debate to call it a tie and see if they could try being friends mm-hmm. uh, but she ran away before he could say anything <gasps> so he wants to know what should he do now well Liz is kind of like uh, I really don't think there's much hope there but um, she she doesn't want to you know discourage him so she suggests they go on a double date but Todd mm-hmm. reminds her the last time they fixed mm-hmm. Dana up with somebody it was Aaron and that didn't work out. No, it, I mean, it lasted for a while. Uh, and that was a... It did. It was, it was shaky getting there though because she didn't Liz and Todd themselves fucking nearly break up over oh, it. it did, yeah. For some reason, I can't remember. It's something stupid. But, but like, yeah. And I guess it didn't last in the end so Todd's just reluctant to get involved in well, Dana's true, love yeah. life, which is understandable. <laughs> so, uh, but Arthur says that Dana's worth fighting for so he's going to make a, mm-hmm. a move at the party. So when Liz gets home, she finds Jessica, who can't believe that they didn't invite her along to the Dairy Burger, and she's preparing for the party, which sounds like so much hard work. She spent all her savings on pounds of pa- and pounds of hamburger meat and bushels of apples. Yeah, she's um she's gonna go out making apple tarts the following day or, or mm. apple pies, mm. uh, and uh, Alice is gonna help her. But yeah, like yeah, she spent every last penny in her savings. Like that's crazy shit what is she doing um yeah so it's going to be it's going to be hot dogs and burgers and apple pies Mm. all day long baby well she asks what liz talked about with arthur in the db and uh, liz (laughs) says life love that sort of thing and jessica's like love what does arthur (laughs) think about love and elizabeth's dimple deepened and she says (laughs) let's put it this way if he had to debate this that subject he'd definitely argue for it see you in the morning jess and she closes her bed Room door to ring Enid and Jessica wants to ear rig, but uh, mm. Alice calls her way to do something. So when she she obviously gets back to to the door <laughs> and, and with her glass pressed to it, no doubt, as soon as possible, and um, she hears Liz say that Arthur is quote completely infatuated with her. Todd and I were speechless, and. Uh, don't you think it's wild? I know guys go crazy over her all the time. She's spunky and beautiful and talented. But of course, Jessica thinks they're talking about her. Of course she does. And especially like literally after Liz says all that. Spunky, beautiful, talented. Sounds like me, Jessica. There's <laughs> infatuated with me. But it was in fairness to Jessica. Liz then does point out that uh you know, now that I think about it, there might have been sparks between them that very first day at the airport. Oh. So I suppose it probably just isn't occurring to Jessica that Dane is even part of the equation mm. here. So the fact that there was only the three of them at the airport that from Sweet Valley High, will say, that went to meet him. Yeah. So you can't blame her too much, I guess, for that. But it is just funny that she's just like immediately like, yes, he must be in love with me. Who yeah. else could it possibly be? <laughs> this All this lavish praise on somebody, it has to be me. Obviously. <laughs> well, but at the party... When Jessica asks him to dance, he's all booked up and Jessica's disgusted that he's even dancing with Enid of all oh people. God, she doesn't even have a pool at her house, you know. Doesn't he realise? <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, the party is red, white and blue, uh, up the wazoo. Uh, even <laughs> Jessica's bikini has stars and stripes on it. So she's just like in a bikini oh while they're all like eating hot dogs. Is she just like, I don't know, writhing around on the bonnet of a car or something while there's a barbecue going on? Who even knows? It's hilarious. So she grabs um, some dessert for herself and Arthur and then Sam comes up and he's like, I'm not sure what's sweeter, you with a pie. And understandably, he is pissed off when she's like, oh, this isn't for you. I'm going to take it to Arthur. Oh, God. And um, he's like... 
hang on, what? And she says, oh, she's just being a good host. And he says, what about being a good girlfriend? Fair point. And she's like, mm. since when am I not living up to your idea of a good girlfriend? My notes say, all the fucking time. Like, all the time. Literally all the time, Jessica. Come on. <laughs> so he says, I don't expect you to hang out all over me, but I also don't expect to have to watch you hang all over some other guy. Absolutely fair enough. And she protests very feebly. Because she's mm. like, I'm not hanging over him so he's like basically screw this um i'm going to meet my friends from school who actually give a shit about me and uh, jessica's miserable and now that sam has walked off clearly not intending to come back she can't help wondering if arthur castillo was worth it (gasps) but then lila interrupts her reverie and uh lila says what are you doing down there and jessica just says sulking which i quite like (laughs) yeah that is quite funny actually especially because Lila pulls up a chair and goes tell me more (laughs) (laughs) so Jessica admits that she's fucked up with both you know she's not getting in here with Arthur and she's you know made a mess of things with Sam uh, or but she's consoled that Arthur isn't after Lila uh, either Lila flounces off and (laughs) Arthur is dancing with Terry but then the droids start playing a slow romantic song <laughs> let's just say a certain quarterback brings into action this is looking hilarious <laughs> I can just like picture the scene <laughs> everybody's dancing on the dance floor just then the droids began playing a slow romantic song <laughs> a quick quarterback style move Ken dashed across the patio and swept Terry into his arms Arthur was left standing alone like I, I just picture him like throwing her over his shoulder like a sack of spuds and just tearing away from the dance floor like nope gotta go <laughs> It's the quick quarterback style. Oh god! It sounds like Arthur is just left like spinning like a top or something on the (laughs) the dance floor when this happens. Just like what the fuck? Well, Arthur then looks Jessica's way, and as he approaches her, we're told her heart is beating as fast as one of Emily's drum solos. And he says he has a question for her, and she's all excited, and is basically like, "Oh well, nice to know you, Sam." but she's not uh, expecting Arthur's question. Oh God, yeah, so much to her absolute disgust. He asks her if she would please ask Dana to dance the next song with him. (gasps) Jessica's like, will I what? I just squeaked. (laughs) So he's all sheepish and kind of like explains that he's afraid to ask her himself and he's been trying to get his nerve up all evening. But if he waits much longer, the party will be over. And Jessica, of course, is furious and dumbfounded by this uh she's like you want me to ask dana to dance with you um so he's like please will you help me so she like grits her teeth and forces a smile and says she was tempted to help him all right to help him right into the swimming pool but um, but she decides if she does this favor for him this incredibly huge and humiliating favor then he would see what a sweet caring person she was so her reasoning is that when dana will definitely turn him down then he will turn finally to Jessica to uh, to console him so that's the that's the thinking for the minute she's like alright fine as soon as the song is over I'll go talk to her <laughs> so Dana takes a break for, and hands the mic over to Lynn and um Jessica asks her and we're told that in spite of what she still believes, Dana found herself incredibly attracted to Arthur Castillo. <gasps> so she agrees and she's uncharacteristically shy. She's she's sort of aware she's not acting like herself because we know Dana's confident. She's, you know, mm. she's sparky. She's, uh, yeah. she's, she's not, um, 
She's not phased by anyone. But um, when they start dancing, she realizes that Lynn is singing, Rule My Heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it's a slow song. So she's suddenly kind of like frozen with uncertainty. So <gasps> Arthur holds out his arms and she kind of steals herself and steps into the dance with him. So, of course, he has like one arm around her waist and she kind of puts an arm on his shoulder and is just like, oh, God, she's feeling really flustered, but hoping mm. that she's actually keeping it together. Um, but when she does actually look at him properly, she realizes that he's got this really kind of hopeful look on his face, which does sound kind of endearing. Uh, so she starts laughing and he kind of says, oh, this is kind of funny, isn't it? That we're, you know, considering our positions yesterday uh, during the debate. And she apologizes for just like running off like she did and just says, look, I was still feeling competitive. I wasn't ready to kiss and make up yet. <laughs> and he's uh, his eyebrows shoot up and he says geese and makeup and uh, Dana blushes and says it's just a figure of speech and his, his eyes twinkle mischievously he's, oh. uh, he's got a lot of uh, facial action going on and he says too bad I would have liked that even better than a handshake and they basically say how much they respect each other and um she uh, she hope, he hopes she understands how important tradition is to him and she does but she says she just thinks that Santa Dora would be better off than a monarchy true and he's like mm-hmm. well for, and then she says this is a really good point she's like forget Santa Dora for a minute what about you isn't this really inhibiting you know you've got to live by all these rules and you know because Paolo and Justino <laughs> are still at the edge of the crowd and she says wouldn't you rather be a carefree American teenager free to do and think and say whatever you please and he's like sometimes I would at a moment like this, perhaps. <laughs> but more often than not, I'm grateful for the traditions of Santa Dora and of the royal family. They form the foundation of my life. They don't really limit me, as you would imagine. <laughs> they guide me. I don't say, no spoilers, but this is bollocks. It's all absolute bullshit. But I must say, your accent work has made it very entertaining. Well, thank you. I hope I'm, <laughs> I'm capturing the unique Santa Dora and pan-European style. <laughs> I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, oh my god, has any have you watched Elite? The no, Spanish, this is the Spanish show, isn't it? Yes, on Netflix. So the the first three seasons are amazing. Fourth season, they get a load of new characters, and it's not as good. But one of the characters is a prince who's sort of French and sort of Spanish and sort of oh German, god. I guess. Um, Holy shit! So it just dawned on me that he is <laughs> Prince Arthur. It's Arthur Castillo for real. <laughs> he does have quite an odd accent. And his, huh. speaks to his mother in French and uh, um, and and his schoolmates in Spanish. So huh. his name is Philip von Triesenberg. Oh well, that's quite Germanic sounding, isn't it? Yeah. So he's uh, oh, maybe maybe we're it's not so ridiculous after all. <laughs> <laughs> well, they showed us. <laughs> um, but. Anyway, uh, as in, I mean, that prince is, all, is always is getting up to all sorts of high jinks, sword activities. But Arthur is more wholesome, I suppose, and also more deluded. Um, so he he is very sincere about this. Data consensus sincerity, and he's like a thousand debates before you change your mind. Then we only have nine hundred and ninety nine left to go. So uh, there's the, the the chemistry is there. I guess, yeah. I mean, he is pretty cheesy, but oh, Dana cheesy. is very endeared by him too. Mm. So there is that, yeah. Well, meanwhile, Lila is literally weak with laughter. 
She can't cope at all. So she is absolutely loving the fact that uh, Arthur eventually came over to Jessica, but only to ask her to ask Dana to dance with him. Mm. And more so, it's the fact that Jessica did it. I think that's really (laughs) sending Lila over the edge. She's just like, have you no pride? (laughs) So Jessica reckons, why bother with pride at that point? I was already so low. I couldn't get much lower. Lila's like, that is the most pathetic story I've ever heard. I just wish I'd been there to see the look on your face. So Jess tries to remind Lila that she also hasn't had any luck with Arthur. Um, but um, yeah, they see um, they see him dancing with Dana and the two of them getting along really well. And they're just like, what is happening? Jess is just like, I don't get it. Dana's supposed to be singing in the background while I slow dance with Arthur. <laughs> um, so yeah, Lila's like, yeah, it looks pretty bad for you. All right. But uh, she reckons she's not about to let the crown prince slip through her fingers and realizes that, you know, Arthur surely couldn't really be that interested in Dana after all the, the blatant put downs that, uh, that she put him through. So she's got a scheme. She's mm-hmm. going to become friends with Paolo. Arthur is, quote, cute young bodyguard. Says that they make friends with him, they can find out Arthur's schedule and, you know, get into the hotel. And if they can <laughs> get Arthur alone, they can prove Dana's wrong for him and Lila's right for him. And she says, are you with me? Jessica shrugs. She supposed she might as well help Lila. <laughs> I love it. It's like, yeah, I've got nothing else to do. Might as well get involved in a scheme. If you look at <laughs> I actually do really enjoy the Lila Jessica frenemy stuff in this episode. It's mm. uh, or in this book. It's uh, it's it's ridiculous, but it's got they kind of spark off each other in a very entertaining way. That is true. Yeah, they are very enjoyable when they're kind of when they have a common goal. It's mm. very cute. So they go to Paolo and they sort of butter him up by saying, well, "I'm just going to say now, these girls are underage, Paolo." What are you doing? Yeah. Anyway, uh, they've decided that maybe he's a child bodyguard, like Arthur is a child <laughs> business. They're putting they're putting boy. children to work all over the place in yeah. Santa Dora. So yeah, he could well be seventeen for all we know, and just looks like he's twenty. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they tell him that uh, they've decided he's getting a bum deal on this trip because they never get any. He never gets any fun time on his own. So they invite him over to Lila's house tomorrow for a lunch and a swim. And uh, Paolo's a bit like, oh no, and. Um, eventually they uh, they persuade him to ask Justino for the afternoon off. And Lila says, come on, Paolo, let's dance. <gasps> so Dana returns to the stage. She's on a high. She realises that something terrible was happening to her. Something terrible and wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, Dana. Uh, yeah, her eyes seek out Arthur on the floor and he's kind of, he's not actually dancing now. He's just kind of standing apart from the dancers. His hands clasped behind his back. Uh, so he's staring at her, but it's it's doing it for her uh, because she's just like, he is so incredibly handsome. Um, but yeah, she realises that even though he stands for something she despises, <gasps> it didn't matter. She was falling in love with him anyway. <gasps> and on that bombshell... We will take a quick break because, as you know, we are proud members of the Headstuff Podcast Network. And every episode, we like to take uh, take a moment to share another podcast on the network with you. And this week, it's phoning it in. Yes. So phoning it in, it's a hilarious improvised phone-in show. So every week, uh, Dave Coffey, who's your host, uh, will field a collection of calls from a bunch of cranks, oddballs and weirdos. He's joined in the studio by regular guests who lend some expert advice to the callers. So it's it's an improv uh, podcast that features some of Ireland's best comedians and improvisers. And it's gas because they literally do not know what they're getting into uh, literally until they start recording and Dave introduces them on air. They recently hit 100 episodes, I think. So congrats to those guys. Uh, and yeah, so that just means there's loads of good stuff to, to catch up on and listen to. And you can have a little taste of phoning it in now. 
Hello, my name is Dave Coffey and I am the host of Phoning It In, the hilarious improvised phone-in show. It's like Joe Duffy's Liveline, except we make it all up on the spot. That's right, I get a bunch of comedians into the studio and they have no idea what they're going to be talking about until I introduce them on the air. We have just recorded a 100th episode special featuring 15 of the best comedy performers in the country. Go and check that out, binge the other 99 and become a lifelong fan of Phoning It In with me, Dave Coffey, right here on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And now... Back to Sweet Valley, where we are in the Larson house. We get a little uh, little check-in with Jeremy, Ooh. the older brother, and uh, cousin slash sister Sally. And Dana's in her scruffiest garb. Now, I'm just going to say that Dana's clothes throughout, I know she's just in her sort of scruffy morning clothes now, but they're not the sort of like plectrum earrings, outrageous mm. jumps. You know, she's more of a, she's way more casual than this. I'm not sure what I feel about it. That's true. I wonder, is it because we're in the early 90s now yeah. that it is very much the big jumpers and leggings look more so than true. like sparkly jumpsuits mm. and and as you say, dangly earrings and that. And true. more is the pity. But, you know, I do appreciate the early 90s look too, I will say. But it does sound a little less kind of funky than they always used to describe true. her style as. There was always a wild pattern thrown in there. But then again, we also have the cover making up for a lot too. So Very true. I mean, I was Thank 16 for most of 1992 and uh, was a good time to be a teenage girl because you just could get away with just wearing giant cardigans all the time. Uh, but yeah, not so much for being a sort of new wave pop goddess that Dana used to be back in the 80s. Mm, true. So uh, sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, I think she's she's you'd think we get better outfits from a data book I'm just saying this now hmm. so she sees the limo pulling up but all the family are like what but hmm. um she's kind of stunned but she opens the door anyway uh looking very scruffy and Arthur is like come and spend the day with me and she can't resist so she introduces him to her gawping family who are just sitting there with their <laughs> tongues hanging out basically and she runs up to change we cut to the Casadel Wakefield, uh, where Jessica is has woken up. The sun is coming in, and she's cranky because the rain would match her mood. Now we have barely seen a second of sunshine in this country for the last month, few months. <laughs> so I have no sympathy for her. None. Oh my god. Also, the rain would just ruin her hair anyway, and then she wouldn't be happy then either. So go. yeah, it's yeah, very hard to sympathise there. It's like we are not having a good summer, you guys. <laughs> oh my god, we really aren't. Um, so <laughs> remember the days when we'd recorded the summer and it would be way too hot. Oh, right? we'd be roasting. God, imagine. Uh, it's not happening now. I mean, obviously, we don't want a sort of horrible climate catastrophe weather, but like twenty-four course, yeah. degrees and sunshine but could you, be a that. A bit, a bit of sunshine would be nice every now and again. A relentless gloom. <laughs> Be grey skies. Yeah. Well, uh, even though uh, Jessica is is feeling bad, uh, Liz comes in to bring her breakfast bed more than she deserves, and yeah. admits that she actually already knew Arthur liked Dana uh, because she sort of challenges him. And Jessica says that uh, why would he want that? She'd like somebody who fawns all over. But Jessica's like, or Liz is like, really? Do you? And Jessica finally realizes yeah. she's been a dick to Sam, oh and her excuse. God. When she so Liz tells her to apologize to him, and she does mm. go over and do so. But her excuse is basically to remind him of how she basically cheated on him already. <laughs> no, she is a gas bitch. <laughs> but yeah, like she literally does kind of head over to Sam's house. Um, and uh, yeah, of course, when Sam meets her, he's like, Oh, well, if I'd known you were coming, I would have worn my ermine robe and <laughs> polished my scepter because he's oh. really just fed up with her carry on at this stage. Quite but so. uh, 
yeah, so she she insists that uh, that he's her prince charming and always will be. But um, yeah, as you say, like I don't know why she's bringing up Brandon Hunter. It's ridiculous because she kind of does point out, you know, you know, how I always get kind of carried away by celebrities. It's like <laughs> Jessica, this is not a good apology, but because Sam is infinitely patient with her, he does forgive her. <laughs> it's. Uh... I mean, Sam, get out while you can. I know I said it already in this episode, but seriously, you are not long for this world, Sam. Don't waste your time on Jessica when she doesn't appreciate you. It's also thanks to her that he's going to end up dead in a Jeep. Oh, God. (laughs) Spoiler alert, sorry. (laughs) I don't do say, Humper, it'll save your life. It literally would. Well, later at Fowler Crest, Lila and Jessica fawn over Paolo, who were told is eating a turkey cheese and sprout sandwich. Now, I know they mean bean sprouts, but my brain went to Brussels sprouts and I was like, what oh, is so this? Did, so did mine. <laughs> it's like, well, that sounds disgusting. But, you know, all the food in these books usually sounds awful. So I just didn't even question it and moved on straight away. True. <laughs> mm, I was the same. I was like, I guess that's what they do. I guess it goes with the croissants and clams earlier. (laughs) (laughs) So um, they're they're horrified when Paolo tells them that Arthur is spending the whole day with Dana. And uh, Paolo Mm. says that, you know, when he was touring around Europe, girls would like disguise themselves as chambermaids and like journalists and all sorts to get into his hotel and Lila's eyes light up and Jessica's like oh fuck what's she gonna do next like he's literally giving her a to-do list uh poor Paolo just doesn't realize but uh Lila shakes her head and she's like god shameless can't imagine behaving that way can you Jess and Jessica's like no never (laughs) meanwhile the cogs are turning like crazy in Lila's head but um yeah so Paolo then alludes to uh to something he kind of says you know it's not it's not so bad I don't think he'd mind if this trip was only for fun but he has a serious matter on his mind the traditional obligation of the crown prince on the eve of his 17th birthday he knows what he must do for the future of Santa Dora. He knows he cannot fail by the power of Grayskull. Uh, I yes. have the power! <laughs> so Lila and Jess are intrigued, obviously, by this, because it's all a bit vague, and Lila does try and ask, you know, what is this obligation? But then Paolo suddenly gets all secretive, and he's like, oh, uh, uh, it's a task he must do, and he won't see any more about it. So Lila does kind of try to steer the subject back to that over the afternoon, but he's not saying anything more about it anyway. So they're, they're, they've got a mission now to try and figure out what this thing is. Yes. Uh, and Jessica is actually a bit worried about what Lila's going to do to find this out. She's, she's off the leash, basically. We cut to Dana and Arthur and they've had a perfect day. They had a picnic on the beach. They went to an old movie at the plaza. Nice, consistent Mm. character work there. They went Mm -hmm. bowling. (laughs) And Arthur says, next time he'll leave the fancy limo at home. And Dana asks if... um, Oh my God, this argument is so fucking stupid. Dana asks if these royal responsibilities basically make him old before his time. And... uh, He's like, oh, you think their traditions are depriving me of the freedom of youth? She's like, oh, yeah. And he says, but there are rules and laws and customs in America, too. For example, you are too young to vote or at least to military or view certain movies, right? The way I see it, whether you live in a monarchy or a democracy, your life is shaped by traditions of some kind. Oh, oh. <laughs> German. And this is the old Prince Philip. Well, what's his face in a leash? <laughs> We're going on our own little grand tour here. This is fantastic. <laughs> Ganz genau. Um, <laughs> but also, like, 
that is not the same thing. Like, no. oh, sorry. Yeah. You, you, whether you're too young to vote, that's a tradition. No. Ugh. That's just a law. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm getting worried about Santa, uh, uh, whether that won't be worried about Santa Dora, but she says, whether you live in a monarchy or a democracy, so that suggests that this is not like a constant, you know, these monarchs don't just have a ceremonial role, like this is not a democracy. They still they are have, making like- laws and ruling this place <laughs> and it is frightening. <laughs> it's basically like the divine right of kings is still mm-hmm. happening uh, with these absolute rulers in Santa Dora. So, I mean, unless they do a French revolution, those Santa Doras are never getting rid of these bastards. Like. Oh, lads, get the guillotines out. <laughs> Fucking quick, smart now. Chop, chop, quite literally. <laughs> so this is what, this is how he compares, uh, like, life in uh, as a non-royal um, mm. in a republic um, to his own. Because Dana's like, okay, tell me how my life is shaped by traditions. And he's like, okay, I will. I have to learn to run a country. See, run a country. There we go. You have yeah. to attend school and do your homework. I live by the rules of royal etiquette and all my behaviour is subject to intense international scrutiny. You must obey your parents. Elizabeth once told me what happened to Jessica when she comes home late for the plane or breaks an answer family rule. She is like an airplane grounded. <laughs> what? Why are you comparing these things that, like, like uh, just a normal being a child with being subject to intense international scrutiny? And Dana is like, okay, yeah, I have to toe the line till I'm 18 and go away to college. And he's like, oh, so I win. But she says, all these American rules here have a practical purpose, whereas a lot of Santa Doran's royal customs are totally out of date or just for show. And uh, she jokes about the uniform. And um, he does joke back about it. He, mm. She doesn't make the obvious point that, yeah, she can go to college and do whatever she wants, whereas he has to be a king. <laughs> anyway, they agree to disagree. They do, yeah. Like, it's all very kind of um, playful, kind of, when they're dis- disagreeing usually here, kind of. And, yeah, you know, they're not actually falling out or being super serious or anything with each other. I suppose they each have their own viewpoints. It's all fine. But, like, yeah, they're still getting along very well. And they have had a really nice day and a lovely date. So, um, yeah, he kind of says at the end of it, you know, or she kind of says, look, I was, I was kidding when I said it was the world's longest date because they have actually spent the entire day together. Um, mm. But she says she had a great time. It all flew by. And yeah, he wants to see her the next day. Yeah, I'd like to see you again tomorrow, Dana. And the day after that. And the day after that. <laughs> but uh, Dana kind of says, well, I might not be able to give you another 12 hours in a row, but I'm sure we can work something out. So it's all it's all good and chill. And they don't actually kiss at the end no. of the date and I think she was kind of expecting that maybe that's where it was going but she realises that she was glad he didn't because it gives her one more thing to look forward to <gasps> mm. <laughs> yeah she has a feeling she and Prince Arthur will be spending a lot more time together mm. well we cut to Tuesday and you know Arthur is really into her because he's sitting in on band practice which as anyone who's ever done that knows is <laughs> very boring it's so boring <laughs> But uh, Emily jokes that, uh, to Arthur that he should watch out. She may be trying to convert you through the power of rock and roll. <laughs> and uh, I'm just imagining you're doing a sort of an Eddie Munson from Stranger Things here. Oh. <laughs> I love that guy. Me too. <laughs> Metallica-ing away on the roof of the caravan. Great guy. Um, 
But uh, yeah, Dana is probably just on fire tonight because of her love for uh, for Arthur. And well, that's how it is, you know, the person she's in love with is there. So she's <gasps> absolutely playing a blinder. <laughs> oh my God, it's like the sports teams. The system works. Oh, it does. Okay, fair enough. Um, so afterwards, the limo was there to collect them. She jokes it's like being sort of picked up you know, like when she was 12 for to go out with a boy. And she suggests that, you know, Arthur, like, why is he hanging around Boring Old Sweet Valley? I mean, why indeed? And he should go to LA and see the sights. And he says that for all his jet setting around the world, he just prefers being in Sweet Valley because you are so different, like a breath of fresh air. You're not like other girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, anyway, he admits that she was right. His life is restrictive sometimes, but he feels liberated with her and asks, uh, you let Arthur Castillo, not Prince Arthur, drive you to the beach for a swim. She's like, sure, I'd like that, Arthur Castillo. And that very cheesy thing where, you know, somebody addresses mm-hmm. someone by their first name, the full name, that no one really does in real life, but often do in uh, cheesy TV shows. True, yeah. Well, the next day... We learned that while they were, you know, having these bonding moments next to the limo, they were being spied on for the Lime Green Triumph. I love that Lila has the most, like, obvious car in the entire fucking town. But somehow her and Jessica managed to trail the fucking Royal Limo all day long without being spotted, even though they were literally in a lime green car. Well, I love that Jessica acknowledges this and says, the only reason Dana didn't see us cruising up and down the street in this incredibly conspicuous car (laughs) is because they only had eyes for each other. And here we get again, the nice character work with Lila because Lila is, you know, remembers this and is all angry and thinks that should be me I'm the one whose hand should be kissed by a prince after what I went through with John Pfeiffer I'm the one who deserves someone like Arthur so this really is the key to her obsession Mm. yeah so she hopes that the novelty of Dana is wearing off for Arthur but uh but Jessica's not so sure. And uh, especially when um, she reminds uh, Lila that Paolo informed them that Arthur has already rearranged his entire schedule this week. So he'll be free every afternoon to do things with Dana. And they head to Arthur's hotel and Lila rightly just says, just hold your head up and act like you belong here and you can just walk right in, which they do. Mm, That is good advice because that is exactly right. (laughs) Yeah, it's what I do when I'm going to the loo in a posh hotel in town, exploiting air toilets. Just walk right in as if you're uh, a guest in the Westbury and they'll never notice that you're just (laughs) using it as a public convenience. (laughs) Well, uh, they find Arthur and Paolo and they're working up a sweat. Uh, yeah, eventually they find them down at the, is it at the swimming pool? At the health club. Uh, They're on the oh, Nautilus sorry, machines. The, the, what is a Nautilus machine? I meant to look it up and I forgot. I thought it was like one of those cross trainer sort of things, but I don't know what it was. Yeah, I see neither do I. I have no point of reference <laughs> for this. But yeah, I actually, yeah, a cross trainer thing probably sounds right. Mm. Um, yeah, Lila sees this, of course, and immediately declares that she's going to run down to the shop in the lobby and buy a Lycra exercise outfit. And Jessica's like, no, you are not, and drags her away <laughs> from the window. Like, she's like, I refuse to let you make a total fool of yourself, Lila. So she, uh, they, they kind of bail on that plan, thankfully, and are, are back in the car park. So Lila's just kind of fuming away in her car, just like, there must be something we can do. She's like, what about the chambermaid idea? I could borrow one of Eva's uniforms, get into his suite. I might find some royal documents that would reveal his secret mission. Uh, and Jessica's like, yeah, or you make it thrown in jail. Yes. Um, 
So she kind of points out, look, if Arthur finds out that you're following him and like, how could he not? Because it doesn't sound like they're being particularly oh low God. key about this. <laughs> She's like, it. look, he will think you're a nut if he finds out. It's not going to make him want to date you. So let's just go home. Uh, but Lila is undeterred still. Ah, uh, yeah, I mean, she really is uh, a woman with a mission. And mm. um, yeah, they, they, she insists that they that they follow the limo in library drive, did you say? And uh, they follow it to Dana's house. They see Dana get into us. Nobody notices. I mean, some use these bodyguards are. They don't oh, notice they're tailed by library they, drive. They are clearly hopeless, like, yeah. <laughs> so they go through the centre of town. And finally, now, we have said many times, and probably to Alpha Sisters will share our surprise, because... Um, we have often mocked the fact that in the TV show there was a boardwalk and like a <laughs> marina, but that's where they go right now, the Sweet Valley Marina. Yeah, I guess we have been to the marina before, though, with Nicholas Morrow and his oh, yacht. I think was in the sure marina. have the SS implication. <laughs> I think it's. Yeah. I think <laughs> the Arthur's rented us. <laughs> oh God, save yourself, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when Lila sees Arthur and Dana uh, hopping onto the deck of this fancy yacht, she says, I guess there's no time for me to stow aboard. And I love this. Jessica stared at Lila. Stow aboard, she repeated. What are we hoping to do? Push Dana overboard? Hijack the yacht? You have definitely cracked, Lila. Take me home now. You're insane and I don't want to spend any more time with you. You might be (laughs) contagious. Like the fact that this plan is even too much for Jessica really goes to show just how unhinged Lila has gotten here. It's very entertaining. (laughs) So Dana and Arthur are out in the water. They embrace and eventually they're in open water. Uh, My notes just say, is he Dennis? He says, there's one tradition that I believe is universal. When a boy is crazy about a girl, he wants very much to kiss her. And she can't do anything because of the implication. Oh God! Just yeah. the last part. But... No, <laughs> but you know it's the implication. It's implied. <laughs> oh, um, so anyway, she actually does want to kiss him, and uh, it's a magical <laughs> moment. The passion they had both been suppressing flooded to the surface. Oh, okay. Oh. Sounds a bit more like more than kissing, but all right. <laughs> it does that, that open sea? No one around. Mm. Um. So she does wonder what the future holds for them, but she then basically thinks, fuck it, and thinks it doesn't matter that he was a European prince and she was an American high school student who sang with a rock, ba- uh, sang with a rock band. <laughs> oh, the, <laughs> the two archetypes. said oh, all yeah. that mattered was that they loved being with each other, that they never had out of things to talk and laugh about. Oh. So the next day, Jessica's on the phone to Lila and she's like, Lila, uh, I told you last night, I'm done with this. I'm not doing any more stalking. But then, I love this, the limo turns up outside and and Jessica's like, he's here. No, seriously, Lila, he's here. Get over here now. (laughs) I thought she's hissing into the phone. It's fantastic. (laughs) So, uh, of course, she's delighted and she runs downstairs to, to 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 greet Arthur, but he actually Ooh. wants to talk to Liz alone. So Jessica sort of sulks off. <laughs> and um, when they are alone, Liz and Arthur, she, Liz says, look, well, I guess we haven't really had a chance to talk much since you started seeing Dana. And of course, <laughs> Arthur does my, one of my favourite things. It just goes, <laughs> Dana. <laughs> I knew you were going to love that bitch. I did. <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, yeah, he says he needs advice, and of course, there's no one in Sweet Valley he trusts as well as he trusts Liz. Of course, um, <laughs> and he reveals the secret reason for his trip. Oh God, yeah. So he, uh, oh Jesus, yeah. He explains that uh, yes, it's traditional for the crown prince to travel the world prior to his official investiture, but that mm-hmm. he didn't mention in his letters another secret, but very important. And like, it's weird that they keep calling this a secret when it doesn't seem like it actually is. They no. just haven't explicitly mentioned it. But like, yeah, he says, look, there's a secret reason for this big tour, uh, and he says, as I travel around the world, I am looking for a girl to become my wife, uh, Liz. <laughs> is understandably gobsmacked by this. She's like, you're what? He's like, yes, my wife. Isn't that the right word? A girl a girl to marry. A bride. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. You're so, English is so fluent that everybody think and you do not have, quote, an accent. And you're like, wife? Is that the right word? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and then he's like, I knew you'd be surprised, Elizabeth. You do things differently. You're, yes. Yeah, you no do. Shit. <laughs> oh my god! So uh, yeah, apparently the designated crown prince declares declares his betrothal before his seventeenth birthday. In this way, he demonstrates his maturity, his readiness to lead the country. What? Oh no! Like medieval. Like, yeah, pretty much. Ah, <laughs> oh, I mean, I have just been reading a book about like. Catherine de Medici and the French court and all their shenanigans. They were getting married at 14, but that was in like the 1500s. This is, yeah. <laughs> this is not normal. It's it's quite strange. Uh, yeah, so Liz obviously points out, like, I can't imagine getting married at the age of 17. Uh, but Arthur assures her that, uh, yes, a century or two ago, the wedding would have taken place immediately. But now in modern times, a long engagement is acceptable. So he <laughs> says, this is why the tradition hasn't been much noted outside of Santa Dora. So Liz is like, yeah, it's definitely not common knowledge here anyway. So he explains that he would wait uh, until he graduates from college to marry. So the girl he chooses will have five years to prepare <sighs> to learn the history and customs of of the country prior to becoming its princess. But uh, but apparently the engagement itself must be announced at the time of this investiture on his 17th birthday. Uh, so yeah, Liz is kind of amazed at the the, the, the stark differences between their, their lives and their countries, I suppose, at this stage. So she's like, wow, this is crazy. Yes, uh, right. But, he, so. but he, then, he then points out that if he doesn't uh, declare his own choice before his birthday, his parents have to choose for him. <laughs> They're eager to arrange a marriage with a member of the British royal family, but I'm determined to make my own choice. And he then reveals oh. that before he arrived in Sweet Valley, he thought he might ask Elizabeth to become oh, his princess. <laughs> God. Oh. But then as soon as he found out she was taken, he moved on to Dana. And Liz, of course, being this, is like, oh, shit, I could have been a prince. I mean, <laughs> she says she's stunned. She says something like, he'd come to sweet with things. He'd come to sweet body looking for a princess. And it could have been her. Mm, hmm. yeah. Thinking about this too much for somebody who's in love with their boyfriend. But True. Anyway, he tells her to be, she tells him to be honest with Dana. And he says, thank you, Elizabeth, said Arthur, his eyes shining with gratitude. You are a wise and true friend. Don't <laughs> encourage her. Oh, stop. <laughs> well, later, Lila and Jess are reading uh, Jessica or Liz's diary and Jessica pretends to feel guilty. Liz, Jess or Lila, rightly calls her out. Oh, like, yeah, she's absolutely right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, is it that 
yeah she's like she snorts I think when when Jessica insists that she feels terrible about this yeah. like yeah spare me like you've never sneaked a peek in your sister's diary yeah. you know you do it all the time and Jessica's like yeah I just don't want to get caught all right <laughs> true uh, I mean that's at least she's being honest true, so yeah. um there's nothing juicy in the diary and Lila says sometimes I can't believe this girl is your sister she's such a drip <laughs> Jessica's like, she's not a drip. She's just loyal to Todd. And Lila says, okay, she's not a drip. She's a fool. And she keeps the world's most boring diary. What a snooze. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. And Jessica's kind of getting annoyed now with Lila because, you know, it's, like, it's that thing where I guess you can slag off your own family member, but nobody else can, mm, uh, yeah. which is kind of fair. Uh, but yes, she then, I think Lila is kind of flipping through the diary and eventually finds something of interest uh, where Liz has said, I'm still in shock over Arthur's revelation. I can't believe his parents, his whole country, expect him to make such a tremendous decision before he turns 17, just because it's traditional. How on earth will Dana respond? So it's kind of, I guess they're saying it's vague, but I, I mean, I feel like you could probably <laughs> take away a fair bit from that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, they kind of are just intrigued by this and they're like, OK, well, look, we know this is something serious from talking to Paolo, but what is it? <gasps> we need to, to figure out what it is. And it sounds like it's going to involve Dana. So the, mm. the mission continues. It does. Speaking of Dana, she and Arthur have just been dining at La Maison Blanche, possibly Arthur's native language. Who knows? Who knows? And <laughs> they go for a moonlight stroll at the beach and it goes on for about four pages. It's really mm-hmm. very drawn out. But uh, all we need to know is that Dana thinks it's like a fairy tale. She's walking with a prince, but she says that's not what's important. I'm in love with Arthur Castillo, she thinks. Not Prince Arthur. In love. In love. <laughs> <laughs> The words repeated joyously in her brain. Fantastic. <laughs> so uh, she realizes that she really is in love with him. And then he says, look, I uh, need to talk to you about something important. And she's like, oh, shit. OK, he's calling it off. Well, I guess we're too good to, to last. But no. Oh, God. Yeah, I was kind of surprised this was how he went about it. But he literally just says, Dana, will you marry me? I mean- and like... It's <laughs> understandable. It, it is, and understandably, it doesn't quite sink in when Dana hears it at first, because she's just like, "Wait, what did you just say?" <laughs> and he repeats himself, opens a fucking jewel box oh where there's this big fancy diamond ring. Uh, Dana is extremely taken aback. She's like, mm. "Obviously, this was the absolute last thing she was expecting." Um, so yeah, she kind of says, "God, we you know, we only met a few weeks ago. You can't really want to marry me." And Arthur's like, "I can, and I do." Uh, he says he's in love with her. We spent enough time together for me to be uh- absolutely sure of that i'm sorry like, you've known each other for a week yeah if that if that <laughs> yeah it's it's ridiculous oh god so uh yeah he um he's like oh we could have a long engagement you could come to europe and call it for college if i could study in the united states and then when you're 21 or so 21 it's still <laughs> like far too young to get married Oh, it is. But, you, you know, I will say, like, Americans, we do get married awful young sometimes. Well, we know this from Am I the Asshole. It's always like me, 23 female, oh, ma- like husband, me- 22 oh. male. We've been married for four years. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Yeah. A lot of that. Yeah. I think here, the average age for women getting married is something like 31, 32. I, I was, so. I was 32. Yeah. And I, that is okay. bog standard, I think. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't think I, I think I might know one person who got married before they were 30. So the idea yeah. of getting married when you're 21, I mean, I was still in college when I was 21. Oh God, you're so young when you're 21, yes. fucking hell. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure for some people that could work out, but probably not if you've known each other for a week. And one of you is, 
a prince of some sort of feudal <laughs> kingdom. <laughs> Serfs and weird <laughs> traditions, and also you're both 16. <laughs> well, he says, say you'll be my bride. and she says uh, she needs time and he's like oh I understand very good of you Uh, but he puts the the ring onto her her ring finger and says will you keep this though while you're deciding I want you to carry it with you at all times as a reminder of my undying love (gasps) and Dana thinks her life didn't just feel like a fairy tale it turned into one oh my goodness <laughs> so the next day Dana's in a daze and she's all confused because Arthur's the boy of her dreams so why am I confused why am I happy that he wants to spend the rest of my life with uh, of his life with me and my notes say because you're 16 and this is nuts uh, yes fully that you are both children this is insane please stop <laughs> so it's makes basically making her confront the fact that you know she might say oh I'm in love with Arthur Casillo but really mm-hmm. he is Prince Arthur yeah so she goes down, finds her mother, who's just sort of chilling with a cup of tea because it's first thing in the morning, tells her all, and Mrs. Larson is a oh. terrible mother oh my God. and is scarily excited about the prospect of her daughter being a child bride. This woman frightened me for sure. <laughs> like, too. yeah, Dana explains what's happened and like her mother freaks out, but not the way you might expect because she leaps up from her chair tears of joy and (laughs) excitement in her eyes oh honey congratulations she flung her arms around Dana I'm so happy for you you're so happy for your 16 year old daughter to marry a boy she has known for what four days five days maybe (laughs) like this is fucking crazy you are useless like my notes at this point just say hey Mrs. Larson what the fuck I mean, you couldn't say, say it better myself. And uh, <laughs> like, uh, she's just worryingly pleased with the prospect of her of her daughter moving to the other side of the world as well, where she knows nobody. Completely <sighs> crazy. Yeah. So Dana's like, okay, look, she basically has to, has to lay down the law because she can see this has immediately gone to her mother's head. So she's like, I'm not going to tell anybody about this. And you can't tell anybody either. Not even Jeremy or Sally or dad. And definitely none of your friends. And Mrs. Larson says that's fine but we'll see how long that lasts in fact it lasts about 10 minutes because she comes home the next day from school uh, to uh, find that the house is swarmed by reporters so the news is out in less than 24 hours fucking hell yeah like this is so poor like from her mother oh like because obviously she comes she comes in home eventually after having to like literally fight her way through a fucking swarm of yeah. reporters outside her house uh, and her mother then confesses that she couldn't contain the news she ran into Irene Bacon at the market and had to tell her I had to tell someone and again my notes here were just like you stupid bitch like <laughs> I was so mad at her mother because like what an absolutely fucking useless parent this one has turned oh out oh my be. god like I, what are you doing yeah. so Dana still has to make the decision and now she has the eyes of the world on her mm. so the next day now the, the the news is out Lila is real but she's planning her next move so she thinks that Arthur and uh, Dana could fall out of love as quickly as they as they fell in love so she just wants to really obsessed with finding out what his secret mission is so she can use it mm. to her advantage and then she has a brainwave Yes, she realises that, again, a throwback back to Mm. when uh, he came over to Sweet Valley the first time. Uh, They had to do all these research projects um, 
where there was loads of like books and magazine articles at the library, apparently, with information about Santadora and the royal family. So she reckons maybe the solution to this puzzle has been there the whole time. <gasps> so she's like, Jess, after school, let's. And Jess just cuts her off. She's like, leave me out of it. I am sick of making a fool of myself. I know when to jump off a sinking ship. So Lila kind of shrugs it off and she's like, all right, whatever. This is definitely not a done deal yet. I can still salvage this whole situation. <laughs> so she figures out uh, she's going to find a way to break up the happy couple and claim what was rightfully hers. Happiness. And Aww. that does kind of sting a bit. And you're kind of yeah. like, oh, fuck, poor Lila is going through it at the same yeah, time. Yeah, she really is. And actually, I think mm. I, I kind of appreciate how they've done this. Like, they don't yeah. have her... You know, the John stuff has has consequences and everything's it's, not just fine in the next That's book. it. This is weighing on her. And as you say, yeah, there are consequences. It is following through kind of a, a line here from, from the trauma of mm. it. Like, So it is good that they're acknowledging that, definitely. Well, the next day, Liz does what she does best. Interfere! Um, she's chatting to Lila and she doesn't she sort of wants to know if Lila or you know or sorry she's chatting to Dana Dana. and she wants to know if Dana knows about Arthur's uh, special you know tradition Mm. Um, so she's kind of dropping hints but there's there's she's not getting anything back from Dana um, because so she's like it was a whirlwind romance and Dana's like well yeah I just assumed it would end when you left town but uh, but now I might have to learn to be a princess and she says if it were any other guy I'd say what's the rush let's just date for a couple of years see what happens you're 16 like <laughs> I mean she's talking about this as if they were 25 I know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, Liz continues to sort of fish about Ar- asking things about Arthur's unique situation. But mm. from what Dana says, it's really clear she, she doesn't mention this tradition and it's obvious she doesn't know about it. So Liz is a bit worried for Dana. Like, why hasn't Arthur told her about why yes. he's in such a hurry to, to, to wed or to choose his uh-huh. bride? Yeah, and you'd think she would wonder, or like that she wouldn't ask him herself and just be like, like, what is with the rush? Aren't yes. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, this just mm. hasn't come up weirdly. <laughs> well, after school, Dana has to make her way through like a horde of reporters in the school car park. Like, this whole thing is a is a security hazard. Mm. And one of the reporters says, Ms. Larson, we heard that just a week or two ago, you're very anti-royalty. In fact, you debated the prince on the subject. Has falling in love caused you to change your viewpoint? And we're told that the performer in Dana rose to the occasion. And she says, I haven't changed one bit. And I don't intend to. Uh, <laughs> and they were like, oh, you won't change your style when you're Arthur's princess? Why are none of them saying, aren't you a little young to be getting married? <laughs> Isn't this whole situation kind of insane? Why are we harassing a schoolgirl? Yeah, it was about to become a child bride. This is all very strange. Also, by the way, we literally had a whole book a few books ago about how being a child bride was a bad idea. Yeah, very true, actually. Forgot that quite quickly. They all. Uh, so anyway, she hops into the limo and heads off with Arthur, and she does admit to him that she's taking his she is taking his proposal seriously, and he thinks it's a sure thing, so he's delighted. Yeah. Keep saying things like, Oh Dana, we'll have a wonderful life together. We'll travel. Any adventure you ever dreamed of having we'll have to we could have together. I mean it sounds like you have to also spend all your time being some sort of trade envoy, I don't know. Um <laughs> and he says, I'll work for Santadora, and you can help me as much or as little as you like. You can have your own career, pursue you oh very good of you. Pursue your music, do whatever you want. We'll have so much fun. Dad cherish you for the life itself. Forever and always. Oh, <laughs> the kiss. Oh, my goodness. But Dana's not sure that, you know, he can really promise her future freedom. And she says she needs more time. And he's like, OK, hmm. but 
you know. But here's the question you can answer straight away. Will you be my date for Lila's party on Saturday? And Lila, or what, Lila, Dana sort of gives a bit of a hasty answer. She does a bit. Yeah, she kind of says that she agrees to be his date, obviously, for the party. But then and it's four days away at this stage. So she thinks, uh, oh, no, she says to him, uh, I'll have made up my mind by then. So she is actually promising him an answer Mm. uh, for that party. And then, of course, he's like, oh, I look forward to officially announcing our (sighs) engagement to all our friends. Again, very cocky. Mm. I'll be cussed to the library. And Lila's exhausted because she's been going through old microfiche newspapers for hours. Um, and she's meant to be having a, a dinner at, uh, at, you know, at Fowler Crest that night with um, her father's invited to the publisher of Sweet Valley News. Um, so she's, that is relevant, by the way, listeners. So um, she, she's hope, she thinks she's going to need like an hour of beauty treatments to recover from sitting in this, you know, hunched over the microfiche machine. But just as she's about to give up, she finds an old article about King Armand the Third. Oh my goodness! From the <laughs> olden days, because it's about when he was a teenager, and it's got some quite startling news. That's right. Yes, so it's from it's an article about Arthur's father. Yeah, when mm. he was um, sixteen, and yeah, apparently in this article uh, they point out that the biggest decision <gasps> facing Prince Armand during his sixteenth year relates to marriage. In the time-honored but little-known tradition of Santadora, the crown prince must <laughs> announce his engagement before his seventeenth birthday. If he does not, his parents will choose a bride for him. So again, it's like it's not actually it can't be a secret if it was literally in newspapers. Like yeah. what? 20 years ago there, yeah. I, mean, I mean based on when they get married 50 like oh, 17 yeah, years ago 17 years ago but like within memory like yes. this is something that has been in newspapers so mm. it's not that it's a closely guarded secret but they kind of on one hand act like it is which mm. is kind of weird but anyway yeah so Lila has cracked it basically and realises that he'd come to Sweet Valley looking for a wife uh, and realises he'd picked Dana but only because the pressure is totally on him so she reckons Dana was just in the right place at the right time um, but she also deduces quite wisely that uh, she reckons Arthur probably hasn't told Dana that this is actually something that's going on too in terms of the tradition and reckons she doesn't, reckons, yeah, I bet she doesn't know. So uh, yeah, she tries to, to get confirmation on her story and I'm sure a good reporter would. And uh, yeah, she rings up Paolo, the bodyguard uh, at the hotel and she says that she wants to make sure he's coming uh, to her party the following night. Um, so she's like, oh, it's great. We'll have so much to celebrate, won't we? It's so delightful that Arthur has proposed to Dana. He must be very happy that he found a girl to marry so his parents won't have to arrange a marriage for him. So she kind of mm. says it all light and breezy. Yeah, like, as if, like everybody knows. knows about this. She's playing it very well uh, and waits to see what Paolo is going to say. And Paolo is clearly a little bit kind of hedging his bets a little bit. And he's mm. like, yes, it's very lucky that the prince uh, and Ms. Larson have fallen in love. So she takes that as confirmation that this is what's going on. There's no way Dana knows. She is going to find out soon enough, though, if Lila has anything to do with it. <gasps> Mon Dieu! Or, Dios <laughs> mio! <laughs> mein Gott! <laughs> it's covering all the bases now. <laughs> uh, well... <laughs> It's the day of the party and uh, Dana wakes up and she's all excited. She's decided she's going to say yes. And um, <sighs> then she gets a phone call from a reporter called Anita. And I couldn't find my copy of that book with Greenback. Oh, but was she the reporter who was in, who was like one of the two grown up reporters who helped them? 
Oh, fuck, I can't remember. I didn't even think to check. Jesus. Anita does ring a bell, though, as a first name for <gasps> sure. Oh, my God. I just need to search Is on it? my laptop. I'm sorry, no I'm way. Looked. I looked for Anita and it came up. Double love, murder on the line. My notes Holy in that episode. Shit. Wow. Okay, we have to give them that for consistency. Hot damn, that's oh, great. Oh, <laughs> that is very, very, very good. Wow. So, Did not even put that together. That is fantastic. Oh was, my God. Love it was it. just such a specific name. Isn't it though? And I thought, right. oh my God, so we find news. Anita. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is it the same surname? I got, I'm going to open now. Yes, they bump into reporters Seth and Anita. So wow. Seth, it was uh, remember Seth was the one who Jessica suspected of being Greenback, but he right. was the one who was secretly writing mysteries and earning enough money and to like buy a sports car and a condo, a condo, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that's great. And I suppose yeah, all those books would have been well out at this stage. I think. Yeah, I think so. <gasps> yeah, well, that's a yeah, good definitely. deep cut. Ah, oh, fuck it. You have to give them that. That's some good work, Ghostwriter. Ah, uh, chapeau. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, Anita Solars uh, says, um, look, I, you know, I just I was just hoping I could get you to promise the news be the first to learn if and when and how you accept Prince Arthur's proposal. Because we'd love to do an exclusive interview. And it was like, sure, why not? I'll tell you what, if you want to get the scoop, crash Lila Farter. Lila Farter's? Lila Fowler's party. (laughs) Cheek of you. (laughs) Just going through my notes too fast. Fowler party, party. Um, but yeah, crash her party tonight. Of course, the the reporter, as would happen in my school, if you just said crash so and so's party tonight, they'd be like, who, who's, who's this random person? But of course, the reporter knows exactly who Lila is. Mm-hmm. And then she, so Anisha's really nice, and she congratulates Dana. But then she says, of all the girls in the world, Arthur Castillo picked you. And just in time. <gasps> yeah, Dana's like, uh, well, what does this mean? And Anita kind of continues and says, it's so lucky he found someone before his 17th birthday. It would have been a shame if he'd had to let his parents select a bride for him. So, of course, Dana's like, what? His 17th birthday? Let his parents select? What are you talking about? But she kind of plays it cool yeah. as if she already knew about this, but kind of does it in a way to try and find out more. And mm. she's kind of like, yes, it would have been. And Anita kind of just babbles on, yeah. saying, seemingly, and uh, <laughs> says, yeah, supposedly Prince Arthur is not at all fond of the girl Queen Stephanie in King Armand had in mind <laughs> Lady Tracy of the British royal family but of course he knew all about that <laughs> I, I don't know if everywhere internationally understands how impossible it would be for a posh person let alone a royal to be called Tracy mm. Tracy. Just, I mean, and with no shade or offense at all to anybody called Tracy, no. but just it is. I have a friend called Tracy. Highly, like it's, 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 it's just not something that would happen for there no. ever to be a Lady Tracy. I, no. like, there's no way there's a British royal called Tracy walking around anywhere. It is uh, unthinkable. Like, it is literally unthinkable. Hilariously, though, this Lady Tracy is apparently uh, quite an infamous character uh, mm. on the scene. And uh, Dana. <laughs> Apparently refers to her as the infamous British brat, and this is like a tabloidy title that this girl has. And I kind of want to know more about Lady Tracy. Oh my god, she's also called Tracy the Terrible. <laughs> yeah, I think this is one of those examples where you sometimes get when people write about another country and they're sort of like, "I've oh, tra- Tracy. Tracy's a British name, you know. I've yeah. heard of Tracys, and you know, it seems fairly common there, and not really understand." 
like get that mm. it's it can be it it has social connotations mm. in that yeah. country. Just like mm-hmm. when I read some American romance novel set in Britain by an American author, which had like a posho in the nineteenth century saying "shite," it's like, oh, God. oh no, <laughs> no lads. Crazy and shite might be good enough for the likes of us, but not <laughs> not the tops who will end up in our guillotine at some stage. <laughs> oh God. Um, so, uh, yeah, Anita says, obviously it means the world to Arthur to be able to return to Santa Dora. I mean, she's doing a lot of exposition. To be able to return oh. to Santa Dora after a successful world tour would formally announce his betrothal before his 17th it's, birthday in the tradition of all the crown princes before him. It is hilariously exposition-y, this whole conversation. It is literally just Anita babbling yeah. on just to fill Dana in on every yeah. <laughs> possible way to tell her this fact. It's very funny. <laughs> it's amazing. And Dana is horrified as she mm. hangs up because she thinks Arthur didn't love her. He had never loved her. He was just in a hurry to find a girl for his 17th birthday. He wasn't a person with a real heart and real feelings. He's just a pile of stupid traditions. So yeah. she bursts into tears, but then she gets angry. Mm. And she gets dressed, and again, she just she doesn't dress like Dana. I don't think she doesn't. Although there is kind of a purposefulness, I think, to this. Mm, that's because true. She kind of runs upstairs yeah. and like throws on like her most raggedy jeans and an ancient faded t-shirt, and kind of thinks to herself, "No princess look today," which does make me wonder what she's been wearing up to now. Because so far, <laughs> anytime they've described an outfit, and like again, it sounds great because like patterned leggings and a big jumper, mm. fantastic. Do you think, Dana? But uh, yeah, apparently she's been pulling off some kind of princess looks, or at least something mm. more fancy than jeans and a t-shirt. But uh, yeah, so she's kind of, yeah, as you say, on purpose, kind of dressing kind of scruffy. She grabs the the ring that she's been kind of hiding for safekeeping in the drawer uh, and uh, hops into the car, like the family car, an unglamorous station wagon. So yeah. this is all very purposeful and pointed. <laughs> Everything that she's doing, she realised she's been riding around in that revolting royal limo so much lately. She almost forgot who she really was. Yes. So, uh, yeah, she goes to the hotel. Arthur answers the door, like, she knocks on his his door and Arthur mm. answers it. So fat lot of good any bodyguards are. Oh, um, security if, guards are just hopeless. I mean, if there are any Santa Dorman um, revolutionaries, like, knock yourselves out. Go for it. This lad's a sitting duck. It'll be grand. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, she he's like, oh, Dana, I'm so happy to see you. But she storms in and says, are you ready for your answer, Prince Arthur of Santa Dora? Here it is. Get lost. <gasps> it's it's very dramatic. Oh, my God. It's so dramatic. It's actually reminiscent of like Regina Morrow throwing like ruby bracelets back at Bruce Patman yes! or something. Because it's like if Sweet Valley, Valley kids are throwing stuff around the place when they're breaking up, like it's fancy jewellery. Uh, because she literally like flings this huge diamond solitaire <laughs> ring back at Arthur. She says, I'm not going to the party with you tonight. I'm not going to marry you and I never want to see you again. And of course, Arthur has no idea what's going on. He's like, well, what's happening? What's going on? She's like, I've wised up. That's <gasps> what. And Dana starts crying and Aww. she says, look, I should have known better I can't believe I let you sweet talk me so she's just like oh you've absolutely fooled me you're a typical rich boy um and I bet you got a kick out of manipulating me after knowing my opinions after our debate well she says look I'm not going to be a pawn in your six selfish royal game oh I like that one Mm. um and she runs away crying Hmm. but who can blame her so she goes home and she tells her parents like don't you know I don't want to see anybody and of course Arthur turns up uh, but as you know as requested I'm surprised her mother isn't like oh come in Arthur I'll talk around (laughs) I'll work on her don't worry about it we've got this (laughs) Um, 
But uh, yeah, uh, she he does he does leave, and she looks out the window, and we're told his broad shoulders were slumped. She thought she glimpsed a tear in his olive-skinned cheek. <laughs> but, uh, so he looks all sad, but she tells herself that's just because his pride is injured, not his heart. And he must be bummed out because now he'll have to marry the British brash or someone else <laughs> equally awful. But uh, she really is heartbroken and she thinks the fairy tale was over. Oh, poor Dana. So we cut to the Castletown Wakefield, where, as usual, Liz is feeling amazing because her life is so wonderful and she can't wait for the party that night. But then Arthur turns up and he's clearly been crying. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, she sees that something's wrong. So she's like, oh, my God, OK, come in and sit down. Uh, so he explains to her that Dana just broke up with him and Liz can't believe it. He's like, I don't understand. She promised me that she'd give me an answer tonight. And, you know, he really thought that she would tell him yes. He said, we've been so happy together. Uh, Even if she decided she didn't want to marry me, I assumed we would still love each other, still be friends. But this morning she came to the hotel and he kind of breaks off and gets upset again and says, oh, the things she said. Uh, She never wants to see me again. She spoke like she hated me. Um, (laughs) And Liz is taken aback by all of this. She's like, I'm sure she doesn't hate you. Like, did she tell you why she was breaking up with you? And he's like, no, she just yelled. Um, He said, yeah, he says he tells Liz that Dana had uh, said that he called her called him selfish, uh, that she didn't want to be a pawn in his royal game. He's like, what could she have meant by that? Uh, Liz doesn't know. So like, yeah, he's he's kind of spilling the whole thing to her, and Liz is like, well, God, I wish I could help, but like, what can I do? And of course, Arthur's like, maybe you can. Would you talk to her? You're my best friend in Sweet Valley, uh. the only person I can turn to. So Liz is like, yes, of course I will, because I'm amazing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so she promises to go talk to Dana, and but she is a bit apprehensive about the whole thing because she knows, like, she mm-hmm. knows Dana and knows that when Dana says something she sticks to it and usually means what she says and if Dana has said she never wants to see Prince Arthur again it is going to take quite uh, a lot of convincing to change her mind on that yeah so Liz calls over to Dana's house and initially her mom says she's no she's not very well but of course Dana Hmm. knows that Liz is the most sympathetic person (laughs) that she knows so she should talk to her um oh like honestly who this town does not need project youth when they've got Liz to solve (laughs) everybody's problems (laughs) they are kidding themselves with their counselling carry on (laughs) well I mean she's probably got more experience than the three hours of training they give them (laughs) very true Well, Dana tells all, and she's rightfully horrified when she discovers that Liz knew about Arthur's thing. But mm. Liz says, "Oh, Arthur really loves her, and it's not just about avoiding Tracy the ter- Tracy the Terrible. He just like he really does love you." But of course, she can't help admit she's like Arthur even considered me as his potential bride. Can you imagine, little old me? It's like, Oh, what do you think this is a good idea, Liz? Like, I don't know why she said that, but it's just, it's so fucking Wakefield that it's like, can you Isn't imagine? It? He wanted, I was actually his first choice, just don't forget. <laughs> like, oh, get out God. of here. <laughs> so uh, Dana rightly is outraged and it basically says, as far as Arthur was concerned, any girl would do. And Liz can't convince her otherwise. And she begs Dana to give Arthur a chance to explain. But Dana's like, just tell him goodbye. So Liz arrives home and feeling terrible uh, to find uh, Jessica begging for deets because of course she heard uh, she was ear rigging at the door again and heard uh, Arthur confide in Liz. And Liz accuses her of leaking the news the way she let out the secret of Arthur's identity when they were kids. But mm. Jessica is genuinely ignorant and gets all offended and says, I did not give away the secret. I mean, I might if I'd known it, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I 
know, it's like, I know I'm a sneaky bitch, but this time it wasn't me being a sneaky bitch, even though I usually am a sneaky bitch. <laughs> this one wasn't on me. <laughs> well, Liz believes her and apologises, but she doesn't know how she'll fix this uh, rupture mm-hmm. between uh, the prince and the worker. So we cut to Fowler Crest. It's party time. There's hundreds of Japanese lanterns and the witch sends you a sound of live jazz. <laughs> Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> no burgers and droids for Lila Fowler. <laughs> Just some smooth jazz. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, Lila's delighted because Arthur's there and Dana isn't. And she says that uh, this will, the party that had threatened to turn into an engagement celebration for Arthur and Dana would now be the setting for a new royal romance. Uh-huh. So everyone's wondering where Dana is. And then Jessica arrives and reveals all to Lila, um, who is, of course, delighted and um, reveals to Jessica that she leaked the story to the press um, because she had that Big mm. Valley News publisher in her <clears throat> dinner table the other night. Yeah. And Lila, see, Jessica's annoyed for a bit because she got blamed for it by Liz, but um, <laughs> not Lila doesn't really care because she sees Arthur looking miserable. And then... <laughs> This is actually really sad because she thinks Arthur was in pain and Lila knew all about pain. He needed, as she had, still did even, someone to soothe his wounded pride and broken heart. Oh, God. That's the thing. Because, like, Lila, she is being sneaky and she is, you know, it's not great behaviour from her. But again, it's all coming from a place of her being hurt and just feeling so let down, I suppose. Yeah. So, you know, you do really feel for Lila here, even though it all kind of, it's very like, oh, a very frivolous Lila B plot. But there is definitely more to yeah. it. And again, like, it's kind of nice to see that they are still just acknowledging mm. there's there's some stuff at play here, lads. Yeah, Indeed. So she literally drags Arthur onto the dance floor, even though he's also a mopey, and puts her arms around him <laughs> and starts <clears throat> flashing a bright smile at the photographer from the news. We're told Arthur just shuffled his feet reluctantly. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> just imagine him sort of doing a little dance. Just a little sad dancing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and then uh, uh, she, uh, he just runs away. Yeah, that's it. Because like Lila's kind of trying to to talk him round and kind of saying, oh, you know, Dana was no good for you. Mm. You deserve so much better. But like, it's just not what he wants to hear. So he just he literally shakes her off him and leaves her standing alone on the dance floor. So she's, of course, infuriated and humiliated by this. Thinks what a low class cad ditching her in the (gasps) middle of a dance like that right in front of everybody. So uh, now she's just really annoyed. And she's like, well, maybe him and Dana deserve each other after all. (gasps) Well, uh, of course, <clears throat> Jessica is loving this because uh, we're told uh, Jessica known Lila for a long time. But she was pretty sure she'd never seen a friend look so foolish and thinks mm-hmm. she threw this whole party just for Arthur and he doesn't even want to dance with her. She said gleefully to Sam Elizabeth and Dot. Liz Whiteley says, gee, who does that remind you of? <laughs> and Lila sa- or Jessica says, Lila's much more pathetic than I ever was. Uh, Jessica declared, Sam is either a sap or a saint. Like he's standing there while she's talking about how she tried and failed to get off with this boy in front of him. Yeah, it is. It is not great. (laughs) But uh, yeah, as you see, like Sam at least gives a disgusted snort, I guess. But like, yeah, I I don't know why he's standing there listening Mm. to this. But um, 
Yeah, so I don't know. Oh, yeah, but she has also revealed now at this stage that yes. uh, it was Lila that leaked the news. So Liz hadn't realized that at this stage. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, it's Lila's fault that Arthur and Dana broke up. Yeah. So um, Jess is like, yeah, she's been working on this for weeks. And yesterday she found out the the secret mission for uh, for his royal tradition and all that and uh, told the Sweet Valley News because she knew that Dana would freak out when she found out. And Sam feels bad for Lila. He is the nicest person there. He is too good for Sweet Valley, oh, truly. Well. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. So Arthur leaves, and uh, Lila's even more mortified. Like he's he was the guest of honor, and now he's walked out. Exactly. Yeah. So Liz runs after the prince and tells him why Dana broke up with them. It's just she still loves him. She just thought he was using her, and he was. I mean, yeah, he should. Like, I, I was kind of surprised that he just blurted out, "Will you marry me?" Instead of actually explaining to her, "Look, here's mm-hmm. the situation." If I don't choose somebody myself, like whatever, of course, it's a fucking bonkers tradition. But like, I really do love you and would love for you mm. to to be my person, whatever. Like just the way he went around, it was very stupid. It was. So uh, he angrily cries, these stupid traditions. Royalty is a curse. <laughs> Dana was right about that. She was right all along. It's ruining my life. It would have ruined us. She is smart and wants no part of it. <laughs> and then says, Dana is too good for me. She's too good for Santa Dora. Oh, my goodness. Oh, there are tears glistening in his eyes. Oh, the drama oh, is amped up, you guys. Oh, la la. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she says to, he says Dana will never take him back and since I can't bear to stay in Sweet Valley another day without her I'm flying back to Santa Dora in the morning Elizabeth goodbye oh my goodness he is out of here <laughs> and Elizabeth and as Elizabeth watches the limo drive away she has a feeling she would never see Arthur Castillo again and neither mm. would Dana <gasps> So the next day, Dana has been working off her feelings with an energetic uh, cycle somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, she comes home and she remembers her happier times with Arthur. And she does know that he really did love her. Um, you know, she thinks, mm. yes, he should be more open with her. But she she knows really in her heart of hearts that um, she he wasn't lying. And then the paper girl drives by and chucks a paper at her. And who can be on the cover? Oh my goodness, but it's a picture of uh, him and Arthur and Lila from uh, when she literally manhandled him onto the dance floor. But obviously the, the reporters uh, or the photographers got in there just in time, got a picture of Lila with her face very close to Arthur's. She's smiling smugly. Uh, so as far as Dana's concerned, she's like, oh, absolutely, fuck this. He's just going after Lila. It really was a case of like, any girl will do. So uh, any kind of softening that she was experiencing towards him has fully gone out the window now because she's like, nope, this guy was clearly just going for whoever would take him so he can feck off mm, indeed but then of course saint liz turns oh, up God. here she comes in her holy jeep <laughs> and data rants about the photo on the cover but liz reveals that like there was nothing going on arthur literally walked off the dance floor and left a minute after this photo was taken and he's so heartbroken that he's going home today and so dana's brave facade crumbles and she admits she was in love with them and she maybe still is but you know there's just so much mm. all the stuff about his royal status and his crazy traditions and the scrutiny how could she figure out how could they figure out what they really feel for each other this is like i won't interfere anymore <laughs> <laughs> but arthur is trying to do just that and she goes and dana realizes that she has to do something so she races to the hotel 
<gasps> yes, she knows it's now or never. Mm. So she uh, she's racing to the hotel, hoping that he hasn't left for the airport mm. yet, because I guess she doesn't know when exactly he's leaving and what's going to happen. We cut back to the Casa del Wakefield, where Liz finds that Jessica's actually worried about Lila. She called mm. her earlier because she felt bad about gloating last night, and Lila was really upset and enraged. And Jessica thinks there's, you know, this is more than just being thwarted. Yeah, there's um, there's definitely more at play here um, that it's not just like that Lila, it's not like Lila to be this upset over something like this because, you know, chasing after boys, is, it's kind mm. of their deal. Um, and usually a knock like this wouldn't affect her this badly. Yeah, but um, Liz has noticed this too. And she she says she has a feeling that for Lila, getting Arthur to like her meant a lot more than just snagging a rich boyfriend. And um she thinks that for Lila, Arthur represented a boy totally different from John Pfeiffer. John seemed like a nice guy, but he wasn't mm. what he appeared to be. Lila probably thought there was less of a risk that Arthur, brought up to be polite and respectful, would turn out to be a creep. I mean, that kind of counteracts all the good messages of the last book that was like, even a nice guy can be... Uh, well, God, yeah, because that was such an important point that they really did handle well, that it can mm. be like all these nice guys and people you wouldn't expect and someone you're friends with, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you're right. That does undercut a lot of the, the good points that mm. were made in the last book, unfortunately. Well, I have to say the prince in a leash seems to be like a nice guy and has a dark side, too. So <laughs> maybe all these indeterminate royals of no fixed abode. <laughs> <laughs> dodgy customers and uh, so um yeah they uh she she basically um thinks that or jessica thinks that you know or sorry liz thinks she's glad that lila's still in counseling a project youth and it's going to take her a mm. while for, to get back to normal and uh, i guess at least they're continuing that and it's not like she's fine now um, yeah so jessica's got to call her back and you know really properly check in on her but of course after she finds out how Liz saved the day because of course she knows that Liz used her magic touch on the <laughs> on the uh the estranged lovebirds um, but Liz says she had no luck so or so she thinks hmm. well there you go yeah Jess does roll her eyes at this and she's like please Liz you're always the Wakefield to the rescue <laughs> I mean certainly is <laughs> well we cut back to the hotel where Dana is explaining that you know, she was mad because she thought he, Arthur didn't love her and was just proposing to her so her parents would make her marry Lady Tracy. But Arthur says, no, it was more than that. Yeah, he said, look, I mean, the tradition was there, sure, uh, and there was some pressure on, but he said, look, even if the tradition didn't exist, I'd still want to marry you. Um, so I guess, yeah, Dana does say, look, she understands why he kept it a secret because obviously things were stressful enough with girls mm. chasing after him. So if they knew that there was uh, a potential to be a princess thrown in, that it would have been open season on him, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he does apologise, doesn't he? Yeah, about does, about yeah. Not, not being so open with her and that, look, he... He uh, he overlooked the possibility of the betrothal tradition itself <laughs> offending you, which sake. doesn't really ring true at all. It's like, no, dude, come on. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, he's he does say he's uh, he's sorry that they they wasted their last weekend together fighting, and they kind of they do apologize to each other. Uh, but yeah, Arthur says that something good has come of this because he decided last night he's going to stand up against this unfair, outdated <gasps> tradition. So, you know, and that, that that is a good thing because all this fucking child marriage stuff is nonsense and Santa Dora need to cut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, they really, really do. <laughs> so he's going to stand up to his parents and... Uh, yeah, and insist that he's not going through with this particular tradition because sometimes things need to change. 
Yes. Um, so yeah, apparently his parents could like it or lump it or uh, they could, you know, they, uh, his maybe his brother will be the crown prince. I guess we never find out. I don't know if he ever turns mm. up again. I don't think yeah. so. So maybe he has been married off um, secretly. <laughs> but um, Dana is proud of him and he says he's learned from her. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, he, uh, yeah, the fact he still, he says he still wants to marry her. And uh, I mean, didn't it's... we have a entire book on te- like settling no. down too young, not being a good idea? I know. Yeah, it's kind of, they have left it kind of weirdly open mm. in that it's like, you know, I love you, Dana. Will you marry me someday? And she's kind of like, I love you too. I can't commit myself to you now. There's too much I want to do before I settle down. You know, I'm not ready to be engaged. And it's like, disappointment erased the hope in Arthur's eyes. Like, what did you expect her to do here? Um, But yeah, they, they, you know, they're still friends. That's all fine. But like, it's kind of like, I'll never forget you. Let's stay as close as we can. So I don't know whether they're going to write to each other or something. Uh But then Arthur does kind of suggest maybe a few years down the road, we'll be ready to give a relationship another try. And Dana says, I'd like that. But like, they're donezo like so this is all a bit weird to be honest because it's like yeah maybe in five or six or fucking 20 years time more like uh we'll see where we both are but like yeah i don't know it's just kind of they're leaving on good terms basically and they do still care a lot Mm. about each other but a lot of this is kind of nonsense and finally arthur takes dana's hand raising it he places it (laughs) gently against his chest (laughs) <laughs> Come on, you can do it. <laughs> Just gotta get that Santa Doran accent one more That's time. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, Princess Dana. <laughs> he whispered. <laughs> and then he was gone. In a puff of smoke. <laughs> Good riddance. Oh, God. Well, uh, Dana wishes she could run after him, but uh, of course she doesn't, and thinks he had taught her something too. The true royalty was an inner quality, not just a question of a title. And by that standard, Arthur Castillo was indeed a real prince. (gasps) Wow. That's that, really, for them. Pretty much. (laughs) Well, on Monday to school, everything's boring and quiet. Now they're not all losing their shit over this prince Mm -hmm. who's inexplicably attending classes with them on his royal trip. (laughs) So weird. And Lila says she could understand Dana dumping Arthur. He was rude. He was pompous. He was self-centered. And Jessica's like, rude, pompous, self-centered. Sounds like he's your perfect match. (laughs) (laughs) But it it is good natured. Mm. And she's more excited about the new school play. Oh my goodness, yes. Uh, Amy kind of wrinkles her nose at this. She's like, but it's Shakespeare. Isn't that kind of heavy for a school play? Uh, Maria wonders why they didn't uh, put on a musical, something fun. But um, but Jessica insists that this won't be an ordinary school play. Apparently the Goodman Theatre Company is coming to Sweet Valley High to cast and direct the production. We'll get to work with professionals. So she is fierce excited because she's going to be working well mm. presuming she's going to get a part she says she'll be working with the uh, classically trained Shakespearean actors people who've reached the pinnacle of dramatic achievement yeah because Amy jokes about it being like working with Brandon Hunter and she's like no 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 this is much more uh, yeah. fancy and Maria's mm. like eh, but it's Macbeth like how are you getting so excited and Jessica's like oh you'll be excited when you see it performed by a beautiful talented genius like myself and uh, you're looking at the star of the play Lady Macbeth herself and when, <laughs> Je- when Amy says Lady Macbeth isn't she old Jessica says au contraire 
Oh God! Yes, she uh, she has a script, I think, in her bag, mm-hmm. and she opens it and skims the scene and says, "Lady Macbeth is rich, gorgeous, smart, and scheming. She'll do anything to get what she wants, which is to be queen, and men can't resist her. The role is perfect for me." <laughs> I love that Lila snorts. Ha! <laughs> So Jessica's fantasizing about being a star on Broadway. She'll be the talk of the town. And she wakes from her reverie in time to notice that a girl at the next table is staring at her. But quick dare she. (laughs) She quickly turns away, her pale cheeks flushing. And she says, who is that mousy, plastic creature? Christ. Oh, Jessica. My God. (laughs) Mm. Maria knows who it is. Yeah, apparently she's a new girl, Paula Somebody. So Jessica (laughs) thinks, Paula Somebody, a new girl, Jessica reflected, (laughs) suddenly feeling tolerant. (laughs) Poor kid. Obviously, she was just a wannabe, gazing with longing at Jessica and her popular companions. (laughs) Like, the self-delusion, you kind of have to love it. Oh, my God. Like, she even closes her script with a flourish, in case Paula was still watching. Just, like, give her something to get excited about. Oh, she's so funny. Yeah, she thinks the role will be hers. Jessica was sure of it. Maybe she had lost the chance to be a real life princess, but nothing could stop her from playing royalty on the stage. And this time, when it comes to casting, I won't have any competition, Jessica thought with assurance, because she was going to give the most brilliant audition ever seen at Sweet Valley High. Oh my God. And that was In Love with the Prince. That was tremendous fun. Oh la la. Can you read us out, please? <laughs> Jessica Wakefield is determined to get the role of a lifetime, but will she succeed? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 92. She's not what she seems. Sweet Valley's doing all about Eve, baby. Fasten your oh, seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy hell. night. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what could be better? <laughs> Oh, after all that, do we have any stats and outputs? Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now the stats. Jesus, the stats weren't great. I suppose we were more on Dana and Arthur than uh, than twins, really. Uh, so the blue-green eyes only got one mention. What? Uh, yeah. And the blondness only got two. So <gasps> very poor showing from the Wakefields there. They just need to sparkle harder. Mm, um, thanks, so they really do. In terms of outputs... Uh, Oh God. Okay. Yes. So when uh, <laughs> when they're going to meet Arthur at the airport, Jessica fantastically is wearing a crisp white linen mini dress, a pink blazer, high heels, and more gold necklaces and bracelets than Dana could count. And like, if it's more accessories than Dana could count, then uh, that's, that's a, lot. a lot of accessories. That's a lot <laughs> so of she accessories. Is, she means business. Uh, Dana herself has thrown on a black uh, baggy cotton sweater and flowered leggings. Uh, it's apparently an outfit that earned her a disapproving look from Jessica. <laughs> well, I mean, she does have her own standards. It's true. Uh, Arthur at one point turns up. Oh, this is for the lunch party. He turns up in crisp khaki trousers and a purple polo shirt. So he is fitting right in in mm, Sweet Valley, I would really say. He really is. A lot of polo shirts. <laughs> so much. Uh, Dana again is fluffing up her short blonde hair, adjusting the neck of her loose fitting black t-shirt dress. A lot of black actually. Dana's gone a bit goth, hasn't she? she? I mean, a black t-shirt dress is a far cry from her outfit. Mm. That's it. She's usually wearing like a black and white checkered jacket with like a yellow dress covered in lightning bolts or something, you know? She goes flashy normally. Yes, very much so. 
toned her down and made her sound like a someone who's into the cure or something instead. Mm. Um, Lila at uh, Jessica's All-American Party, while Jess is wandering around in a Stars and Stripes bikini. <laughs> uh, Lila has gone for a red and white polka dotted mini dress, oh, which yes. does sound quite nice. I, I do like, like the sound of that. Uh, and then where else are we now? Oh, yes. Arthur, again, is in a bright orange polo shirt and khaki Bermuda shorts. He is loving the khakis and polos. Oh, my goodness. I mean, he really is a natural. His heart is in Sweet Valley. Look at and on the golf course. Um, <laughs> Dana then again at one point is wearing an oversized tie dyed T-shirt, capri leggings and teddy bear slippers. Oh, this is her scruffy uh, outfit yes. that she answers the door in um, when she when he kind of arrives by surprise. But uh, I do like the sound of her in tie dye and, and fluffy teddy bear slippers. Me to too. But only that if it's her like her sleeping outfit. This no. is the thing. This and I, now, in fairness, I think that actually was like she had gotten out of bed and thrown on some leggings and kind of mm, headed downstairs. True. But like, yeah, Dana's a much sharper dresser than this book kind of made her out to be, isn't in she? Fairness. Yeah, she is. They've done her a slight disservice here, I feel. But um, but look, I, on the other hand, the cover also makes up for it because that outfit is fucking wild. So you know, there's also that. Yeah. <sighs> Well, is, so no more outfits or is that is that it? That's pretty no, good. No, that, that was it for the outfits. We've also been talking for like two and a half hours. Oh, shit. This. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have thoughts, uh, listeners, please do let us know what you thought of this episode. Uh, have we been, is like, is Santador really a real country? And I've been massively offensive by making up a no, it stupid isn't. accent for them. Um <laughs> Please let Wait, me that know. was an amazing accent. My goodness, you packed so much into three words there at the end. I was astonished. <laughs> Merci. <laughs> Um, well, you had plenty to say, listeners, on our last uh, on our last episode, because um, of course we were talking about Perfect Summer the last Ooh. time, uh, which. I mean, there was a lot going on there. Uh, oh several God. people like had really, really fond memories of this from childhood. Like this seems mm. to be a lot of people's all time fave. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was the first of the super editions, I think. So it, it must just really hold a place in people's hearts, which is totally understandable. But I think also the fact that it was the first of the super editions, somebody, I can't remember now who it was, had pointed out that it ended up like being a New York Times bestseller. Like it absolutely yes. shot into the charts like, and probably surprised everybody. Um, yeah, apparently it was the first YA book ever to get in the New York Times mm. bestseller list, which is pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. Um, so uh, I do like what Poetry 180 said. That's a beautiful part of California that they're cycling through but I have to say that cycling through there while carrying a fondue pot and a <laughs> batch of jello sounds like a nightmare. That's true. Like they would have had to go to some effort to get that jelly on the go and like have it set, get the mm. boiling water. Like was there a mould for it? I oh. mean, that was labour intensive pranking right there. Very much so. Uh, Pippi Ann Shirley uh, has also been on a, on a long cross province bike tour as a young person and said, everything about this trip is utter bullshit. My body instinctively <laughs> ached with the memory of burning calves, numb crotch and bugs in my mouth. <laughs> Not quite the idyllic uh, thing that they were going for at all. <laughs> uh, a lot of Todd uh, uh, hatred. Katie Longstreth did make the point. She said this book was delightfully unhinged. I suppose it's only fair that Todd, quote, inverted commas, cheats on Liz, considering she forgets she has a boyfriend in every other super edition. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> 
And photo Chad 20 said, Jesus is taught an asshole. I can't understand why Liz and everyone else thinks he's great. He never trusts her, believes her, or asks her back on anything. And he's a cheater. She should have pushed him off his bike going down a big hill. Instead, it's instant forgiveness and everyone cheers. Also, the same thing happens books later, also with a girl named Courtney, and she forgives him again. Oh God, it's the Courtney's. <laughs> I um was absolutely obsessed with Michelle Westock's comment where she told us that uh, she took her 17 year old uh, to a concert three hours away from home and listened on the way back from my son in no particular order one it's okay mom I'm kind of invested in this story now two why do these Irish women say fuck so much in brackets we're American sorry we can't help ourselves we're sorry uh three why is there so much gaslighting four why is this guy todd such an idiot five and possibly my favorite what is a strumpet oh my god we can only apologize michelle i'm sorry <laughs> I love Karen. Karen said that you you had done a dramatic re- you commented to me did a dramatic reading to your boyfriend, and I did the same thing to my. <laughs> it's like Angus and Patrick have both been treated to our dramatic readings of your comments. So thank you, Michelle, for that because we were highly entertained, highly entertained, and we could only apologise. Um, so true. Um. Hello, Ali said. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I was playing Bill H- picturing Bill Hader as Assassin Barry whenever you talked about Sad Boy Harry and Jackie Daytona as Robbie October. Controversial oh takes, God. I know. Controversial indeed. I, I actually a good few people <laughs> kind of mentioned that with Robbie October they kept picturing Jackie Daytona. <laughs> I love that. I know it's just the syllables were hitting the same or something. They really <laughs> do. There's something about you know, they both sound like a fake name. If they're so hilariously fake, you know, they're both bad boys in their own way. <laughs> Maybe some more than others, but my goodness, yeah, the only way to improve on Robbie October is for him to actually be Jackie Daytona in disguise. <laughs> a disguise upon a disguise. Oh, toothpick and all. Um, I did like this of Anne Foster, not that one. She said, I have to say, Robbie October has to be a name from the same ghostwriter who created Magenta Galaxy. <laughs> yes, that is a top tier name. <laughs> And that is the same uh, the same period, so that does make sense. News from Nihon made a good point, and we should have uh, mentioned this in the episode. She said, is this the first book to have whole sections written from adult characters' point of view? And I think it is. Maybe there's a bit from Mr. Collins' point of view in the one with mm. Suzanne, but I don't think so. Was there? Mm, yeah, I'm trying to think now. Oh, back in that kind of weird arc where, the, the, where Ned and Alice almost <gasps> split up, was there a from Alice's point of view like when she goes for dinner with Roger no there wasn't really was there no because we never sort of saw Mm. into their into their minds into their minds yeah but yeah that's that was a really good point and yeah funny that it was in like the first super edition but doesn't seem to be something that was kind of carried through because that actually is a really good point Mm. Uh, well Courtney Shaw said uh, when she heard all our comments about Courtney is a stone cold bitch Courtney's are evil basically it does feel like an 80s villain name she says my cover is an 80s villain is blown (laughs) we are on to you Courtney yeah (laughs) got our eyes on you Um, a few people pointed out that the California coast north of LA is notoriously cold in the summer I mean possibly not by our standards so I guess but actually yeah now that some yeah I do remember actually somebody yeah when they pointed that out thinking like 
and it, like I've been to San Francisco maybe twice and I was fucking cold both times <gasps> and that was in the summer oh, so really? there is that I guess okay. yeah uh, Scarlet3639 made the good point in fairness to Bruce being a quote softy in this one it was published during the period he was dating Regina aha uh-huh. see I suppose yeah we were kind of jumping around the timeline mm. so much and we were really going back in time with that one so I just never actually joined the dots on that but like that actually does make some sense then because he was quite sound while he was going out with Regina he, yes so, yeah. he was not Fair a monster point. anyway no Um, and uh Nothing to nothing to do with this particular book, but I liked that uh, Linda Quirk sent us a picture of a new uh, a new store she clearly visited called the Wine Shop, and she said it would fit right in in Sweet Valley, maybe on the edge of town near the Shady Lady. Oh, <laughs> amazing! Oh well, uh, listeners, do please get in touch with us and let us know what you thought of In Love with the Prince. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, we uh, we hoped we didn't defend any Santa Dorans out there, but uh, <laughs> if you're listen, please explain yourselves and your weird your weird royal family. <laughs> I mean, maybe they don't even have the internet, seeing as the the, the, the Castillo seem to rule them with an iron fist. True. <laughs> they don't even have milkshakes, the poor stars. <laughs> Shall we shoot some oops? Oh, goodness. Well, um, you know where to find us. We are on Twitter at SVH Podcast. Yeah, you can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we are on Instagram at uh, Podcast too. And if you haven't had uh, had enough of us uh, for, for now, you can, of course, join us in our non-toxic sorority, Pi Beta Alpha, where we are having the time of our goddamn lives recapping the Sweet Valley High TV show episode by episode and oh, you, God. you can join us in our clubhouse to see what we think of it by joining Headstuff Plus yeah if you head on over to headstuffpodcast.com you can sign up uh, to support the show and all this absolute nonsense that we get up to week to week uh yeah so if you sign up and decide to to support us you can spread your money across three different shows but uh look whichever way you do it if you just want to give it all to us or spread it around you get access to everybody's bonus content uh or is is of course the pi beta alpha series where we're chatting about the tv uh series like the show is fucking buck wild, lads. I don't know how else to put it. We're, it, we're now obsessed with a fictional hot dog joint called Bun Doggies. <laughs> Bun Doggies. We were bordering on hysterical last time we recorded an episode. Oh, like actually just, crying with laughter. Honestly, it descended into absolute chaos. Um, but and funnily, you know the. The TV series does pull out the most random fucking deep cuts oh. from the books every so often that catch us completely off guard. Uh, and in fact, there is actually an mm. episode where Jess does play Lady Macbeth. Yes, so there is. If you want to hear our take on that, because it is also fucking madness oh. and hilarious. Uh, that's in one of our season one episodes, because we're on to the second season now of the TV show. So we're fairly clocking through it. Yeah, like, we're halfway uh, so through. There's loads. There's a good bit to go back and listen to now at this stage. Oh, there really is. And uh, yeah, the, the in the TV episode with Macbeth, um, Winston plays Macbeth. Mm. And we get a montage. Lila's oh, one of the it. three witches. I think Edith might be another one. It's... Yeah, it's... It's, it's a fucking great episode, to be honest. It is There's, classic. Um, and yeah, you can go and listen to our entire backlog if you sign up to Headstuff Plus. Um, so 
We will see our Pi Beta Alpha sisters. We love you all. We'll see you in the uh, in the clubhouse next week where uh, we're getting a flashback episode. It's going to be a saga. It's going to have Rootin' Tootin' Cowboys. Oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> very excited. So we will see you all there, Pi Beta Alpha sisters. But we will see all our listeners, and we love you all too, in mm. the main feed in two weeks when... <laughs> Jessica wonders if Mousy New Girl <laughs> Mousy Loser Paula <laughs> is uh, is all is as mousy as all that as she realizes she's not what she seems. <gasps> See you then everybody. Thanks for listening. Au revoir. Adios. Oh. <laughs> Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com. We are professional grade.